They open fire oh, for public, public safety. safety. It's a friggin' deer. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's May 16, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 200. This is No Agenda. Yes, celebrating 200 episodes of mediocrity and coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West in the People's Republic of Southern California. In the morning to y'all, I'm Adam Curry. I think not regarding mediocrity. <laughs> this is number 200 from Northern Silicon Valley. I'm John C. DeFranc. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. I just wanted to see if I could throw you off guard. Oh, you can always throw me off guard. <laughs> in the morning to you, my friend. And, and in the morning to everybody listening. Yes, and congratulations, John. Because you have new gear. Well, yeah. No, congratulations on 200 episodes. Yes, I think that's pretty amazing. I, th- I think it's a, it's a feat. It's a, yeah, mm-hmm. it is a feat. Actually, very few people can do it, especially with the kind of support we're getting from our listeners, which I think is a good thing. And this is something that we'll be talking uh, about on our special 200.5 episode. Now, is this officially the deuce or is the 200.5 episode? No, this is this is the this is what this everyone's celebrating. The other thing is 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 the after party. It's, oh, it's the, the, uh, the backstage. The, it's the backstage back- pass. It's the after party. It's the you know. It's chat about what happened um so um yeah for this 200th episode uh, we have new gear you sound lovely my friend well let's hope that everyone else out there thinks so <laughs> and let's hope that someone's recording the stream just in case it all messes up <laughs> yes we you, you have all this new gear you put together a complete new studio i understand that uh, like uh, the well it's the, not a new uh, studio everything came in from the uk so i've put together the old studio that i used to have Right, so you have this studio now, which has real gear in it, instead of everything running through. <laughs> Macintosh, <laughs> and um, but unfortunately, I understand, as I understand it, you still have to record on the Macintosh because you don't have like any hardware recorder. Yeah. and so you're hoping that people are backing you up as we speak. Yeah, I uh, I looked for one over the weekend, but just couldn't find one that was suitable. This, it's not it's not really something you just easily go to a store and pick one up. A really good high end. Go to musiciansfriend.com slash recorders. Oh, exactly. Online, I can get it. Yeah. It's just I I wanted to pick one up uh, Saturday. Actually, if they're, I don't know. I know the H2 from Zoom Zoom, and the H4s are generally available all over the place. John, who are uh, or who is our executive producer for today's uh, episode? I've got a couple. Hold on a second. Are you eating? You caught me off guard with a piece of pomelo in my mouth. Pomelo? What is a pomelo? And if you ever had a pomelo, you know what I'm talking about. All right. All right. All right. I still have to get the spreadsheet, I think, for... Uh, did we Eric have two executive producers, um, and one will become a knight, uh, and that's uh, John Snyder from Chicago. Okay. Who gave us actually two donations? He's actually a double executive producer. If he wants to play that, do that. But we're just going to name him one. I uh, gave us one, two, three, four, five, six. What? No, oh, one hundred twenty-three. I'm sure. No, no, no. One thousand two. Really? Yep. The ante. We're waiting wow. now. The next ante is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Is this the highest donation we've ever received for this program? That's a good question. Uh, Eric can tell us in one go. I think it is. Uh, well, not only that, but he added another two hundred. Say, actually, what his total for the uh, show is actually one four six eight dot six five. This must be another Goldman Sachs guy. It's, he has to say. <laughs> it's, 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 who else has that kind of money? 
<laughs> we do we, now. We yeah. Goldman Sachs listeners, all you Goldman Sachs guys. Uh, oh, boy. He's uh, changed. He says he has a very short note. He, was, he says that uh, it's actually he's a double knight. He's now at uh, 2,000 donated. And he's, he says he loves the show because it's changed the way he looks at news and uh, information. He, he says our show has changed the way he thinks sees things which is actually kind of what we're trying yeah. to do which is make people think like we do uh not necessarily exactly like we do but just to see through things a little bit better because we're both media guys and we on both sides and from print to you know broadcast to scams <laughs> from, to from reality old, from shows old, yeah we have we, in fact we've done we've run the gamut haven't we <laughs> pretty much everything except writing a dictionary and i but i did do a glossary and okay. um, so we've seen what a bunch of bull crap is going on, and we just try to, you know, communicate that. And and, uh, and Snyder appreciates it, and I we appreciate people like Snyder because we actually do the show for all our, our producers. Now, the second our second uh, executive producer because he gave three thirty three thirty three, which we just kind of grandfathered into being an executive producer, no matter what. And uh, it's Ben Blondin from Brook Park, Ohio, and he wants to plug vendingbynature.com. Uh-oh. Uh, Vending by nature. Oh, organic stuff. Okay. It's not, not vegan, just uh, organic. Uh, commitment to eating. Da, da, da. So, uh, which is interesting because uh, when we get into the show, the guts of the show, I want to start off with something kind of uh, thematic okay. along those lines. Then we have uh, Associate Executive Producers Jody Ramirez in Cancun. Hey. Uh, Cancun. We could be there. $256.30. And Jason Morella, um, Augusta, Georgia. Um, and he... He has an email for us. We have to go look it up. Uh, to, we'll talk about it when we do the regular donations later. And Robert Mathers in Jersey City, $201. On behalf of Radio Free Jersey. Hey, cool. He uh, thought it was... Is that a pi- it must be a pirate station. No, uh, I, w- I wonder if it... What? I'm sorry. There's one thing. Boing. <laughs> Some things have changed here. <laughs> As you can tell, not all my Mac sounds are coming through. Yeah, sorry about so, that. Uh, I don't know. Might be. I wonder if that. Uh, it's probably just online, though. That sounds, that's cool enough. Uh, and then also we want to thank. Uh, we have in the show 200.5, we will go over the Deuce Club members who actually we should list them as uh, executive produ- or co-executive pro- or uh, associate executive producers for this show just en masse because uh, we have a lot of people that gave us the $200 that we uh, wanted to use to celebrate the show. So uh, we want to thank them. But we'll thank them more profusely in 200.5. Uh, that's it. Okay. Well, we, uh, of course, really appreciate the support from John Snyder and Ben Blondin, who are the uh, executive producers for Episode 200, Associate Executive Producers Jody, Jordy Ramirez, Jason Morella. And Robert Mathers. I think this is actually pretty smart. Uh, if you were going to support the show and want to become a producer of the show or an executive producer or associate, uh, this was the one to do because it looks that much better on your resume, I think. Uh, uh, executive producer of episode 200 of No Agenda. And of course, uh, as we'll talk about later in the donations, it actually can get you laid. So you oh, need yeah. to go out and propagate our formula. It's very our simple. formula is this. We go out. We hit people in the mouth. All right, let's say it together. 
It's our mantra. I want to hear you, John. Shut up, Steve! (laughs) Nice. Well, you know, now that you have the new gear, I, I'm not going to be lagging so much. Because I could never do the Shut Up Slate because it would be like five minutes later you'd hear it. Well, your jokes, you mean? No, not the jokes. The <laughs> Shut Up Slave line. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's one of the reasons you're not getting my jokes because the time. <laughs> no, I, I get your jokes. I just. Yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> so, okay, so you're all antsy. You've been sending me. Le- you were up late last night. I saw email from you at like one thirty. Yeah. yeah. You shouldn't do that uh, on uh, school night. You know what's, what's annoying about this spreadsheet? Because this is just annoying. Oh, here it is. Okay, never mind. Is that I, you can't stretch it or it was it seemed locked, but it wasn't. Never mind. Yeah, no, I was. I've been. Get, I got too many clips. I got my new. Uh, I keep the recorder on the uh, television set permanently, and so I'm, I can get clips all day because there's so much inanity. I know. If that's the right <laughs> it's word. It's annoying, isn't it? It's like whenever that's I. It's t- like, what is this? Oh, this I, I, is, I, oh, I have this one is cable terrible. box that doesn't that isn't a DVR, and I and I'm afraid to turn it on. It's like I know if I turn that one on and I watch that one in the kitchen, I'm going to miss something that I can't rewind. So it's like that's kind of my rule. If I'm watching TV, it's got to be on the DVR box. Yeah, no, there's, well, actually, that happens to me when I'm driving around the car in the radio. And I wish somebody would come up with a DVR for the radio because you, you're, you're driving, oh, my God, what, what did he say? Oh, and you reach for something to button to push, and there's nothing there. It's gone. All right. So, do you, uh, so like, you're antsy. You, got, you sent me a crap load. I mean, I got clips. I got stories. I got uh, tons of stuff, follow-ups. Um, but well, if, let's if start off with something that uh, my wife got me worked up about last night. Uh, that's what she said. Um, apparently, uh, and by the way, I want to, uh, I'm going to have to like publicly apologize to you, uh, Mm. for, uh, poo-pooing your, uh, consistent, uh, over the years, harping, carping, whatever you want to call it, uh, on the alimentarius. Codex alimentarius. Oh, it's okay, John. I, I humbly accept your apology. Now the uh, U.S. government. could Could you just say it, please? What? Could you just say I'm really sorry? No. <laughs> you got you, what you got there was all you're going to get. Oh, all right. Otherwise, you'll start playing it as a clip. <laughs> so I'm opening up my uh, the the node on my uh, outliner called the Great Salt War. <laughs> I'm just getting ready for whatever you have. Yeah, to well, say. There, there's a big uh, a raw milk war going on too, and, a, and yes. a, apparently the government is deciding the following. Uh, Plaintiffs do not have a fundamental right to obtain any food they wish. Yeah, shut up, slave. Attorneys for the federal government have argued in a lawsuit pending in federal court in Iowa that individuals have no, quote, fundamental right to obtain what food they choose. This is from uh, a WND website. Brief was filed April 26th in support of a motion to dismiss a lawsuit filed by the Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund over the U.S. Food and Drug Administration's ban on interstate sale of raw milk. There's no, quote, there's no deeply rooted historical tradition of unfettered access to foods of all kinds, says the statement signed by the U.S. Attorney Stephanie Rose, (laughs) Assistant Martha Fagg, and Roger Gural trial attorney for the u.s department of justice no wonder they went into law with names like that i mean you might as well just sue people all day i'm getting back at you for calling me fag all my life 
Plaintiff's assertion of a fundamental right to their own bodily and physical health, which includes what foods they do and do not choose to consume for themselves and their families, is similarly uh, unavailing because plaintiffs do not have a fundamental right to obtain any food they wish, the government has argued. Really? (laughs) This is where? Iowa. Wow. Of all places, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, really? You know, Farmville. Wow. This has this is part of a uh there I have a couple links here which I'll try to I'll send you we can post them. Uh, this is part of an assault by the governments uh state governments, health departments and US government on um, the dairy uh, the raw milk dairy industry which uh is seen as some sort of a threat. I've never figured out exactly why. I mean, I mean, there are probably dirty dairies that shouldn't be selling raw milk. Most dairies are, but the the guys who are really into it are extremely like hyper clean. And um, we uh, in Washington, uh, we go to it. I'm not even going to mention the place, but it's the first raw milk dairy in uh, Washington State. The the milk is so much just better in every way. And the guy's under nothing but constant attacks because he actually made it so that uh, that they could legalize raw milk in uh, Washington State. And now there's like 25 raw milk dairies, and I'm sure some of them are no good, but um, they're they're just out to get the guy. So, so perhaps a little background for people who are new to the show. If uh, if you've been listening since the 27th of November to uh, 26th of November 2007, I think that's the first time I probably mentioned the Codex Codex Alimentarius. And you can Google those exact words. It's a United Nations initiative, which should tell you enough right there. Uh, it's a huge document with all kinds of protocols and and uh, and connected and uh, related documents. It's been going on. I think this has been building. It's just like uh, climate change. It's been building for 50 years. They've they had these conferences around the world. And now the board of the Codex is like 127 representatives and this is starting to filter down. It went into uh, into effect with the signing of the Lisbon Treaty in Europe, uh, January first, two thousand nine, I believe. Although two thousand ten, there was some legal change, and now uh, it actually is law above the local laws. As far as I understand, remember, I'm just a disc jockey, so I'm just trying to read stuff and understand it. And the word alimentarius, of course, means law uh, or rules. I guess more specifically. So it is the 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 not alimentary has I, something to do with food. I'm sorry, a codex is means is codex rules, is right. The law, so right. It's it's food rules. Food rules. And uh and it's just filtering down and But why? I mean see what's the backstory here? Well, this is very what simple. The it's it's simple. You control yeah, the I know, food, this you way, control this the is, I know what you're gonna say and I don't think it's that simple. You control the food, you control the people. It is that simple. What do you mean? And now uh, you know um McCain's the money. McCain has introduced um, a bill. McCain? Yes, McCain has introduced a bill uh, to... The Republican McCain? Yes, the Republican McCain in February to control uh, dietary supplements. And in fact, if they're not, they'll have to be approved by the FDA. Well, take this one step further with my wife complaining to me. Oh, let me take the, let me finish off my little piece here. Uh, public, uh, this is again from uh, the WND.com website uh, under the uh, title Life with Big Brother. 
uh, a public comment period on a Food and Drug Administration plan to classify vitamins, supplements, herbs, and even fruit juice as drugs <laughs> has been extended from April 30th to May 29th after the proposal was publicized in a report by us, this website. The extension FDA posting will allow consumers additional time to comment on the plan docket number 2006D0480 that opponents uh, that opponents say could even classify water as a drug when it is used to treat dehydration. <laughs> I'm, it's a shut up slave moment. I can't say it any other way. What what what, what do you what do you read into this other than a bunch of you know people with names like fag uh, were pestered all their life and they're like, well, when you give me a stapler, I'm going to get back at you one day. When I'm big, I'm going to go control your food. I mean, that's the only other thing I can see. It's unbelievable. So, now, I mean, I'm sure that you know this 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 particular website exaggerates things, but when they're taking direct quotes and you're seeing this stuff and you can actually interpret it, really interpret it, you know that water is a drug. Uh, if CO two is a pollutant, <laughs> yeah, water might as well be a drug. You're right. You know, every, you know, CO two is a pollutant. <laughs> oxygen is a is could be a drug. Uh, I mean, you know, in other words, all of the, anything that actually sustains us, food. <laughs> yeah, well, so salt it's is... It's ridiculous. Well, this, this is crazy. So crazy salt, salt goes right along with that. We've been tracking this for a number of weeks. Um, of course, we have the National Health... Health uh, uh, National Salt Reduction Initiative, which I believe is being pushed by uh, Mayor Bloomberg in New York. But I read, in, uh, and of course, this thing is now spread out, right? It's, it's completely ingrained. We're only seeing it now, and we're starting to notice it. And uh, the New York Times, of course, completely on board with the program. But very interestingly, um, in a report that may bolster public policy efforts to get Americans to reduce the amount of salt in their diets, scientists writing in the New, York, uh, New England Journal of Medicine, which is, I guess, pretty well respected, John, conclude that, the, that lowering the amount of salt people eat, even by a small amount, could reduce cases of heart disease, stroke, and heart attacks as much as reductions of smoking. Oh, please. <laughs> and, but this is the New England Journal of Medicine. So apparently if you reduce your salt intake, it's the, it's the same as reducing the number of cigarettes you smoke. I, I just don't believe that. <laughs> it's really hard to and, and the way that this is being spun, of course, is, well, you know, this is all about health care and, uh, you know, it'll save us uh, 50 or 60 billion dollars a year if people eat less salt. And granted that salt um, is, is overused in processed foods and stuff you buy at the supermarket that uh, that is prepackaged and there's a number of reasons for it. Uh-huh. Well, that may be the only backfiring mechanism here to these people because it's big. Uh, let me read you from that same article about the water. Uh, the guys go on to the effort. Uh, he points to efforts such as the Codex Alimentarius Commission that was created in 1963 by the Food and Agriculture Organization and World Health Organization. Hey, World Health, our friends. Both yes. official groups within the United Nations. It uh, claims that their main purpose is to protect the health of consumers and ensure fair trade practices in the food right, trade right. That, that, that is what they originally said uh, as part of the codex is for labeling and it's, that you're getting what you're supposed to be getting from a different country. But, of course, it's now just turned into control. 
Yeah, and it's all bullcrap, too, because they don't let you label all kinds of stuff within the EU. The Swedes were complaining that their jams can't have the Swedish flag on it because it would be, uh, you know, there's something sinister about that, even though people might want a certain kind of berry or jam from Sweden because the berries from, you know, that part of the world are outstanding. Uh, so that that's all bogus. And now Heinz, uh, and the first time in 40 years, Heinz Ketchup, has and and I love it because if you Google Heinz ketchup less salt, you'll get their PR statement everywhere, which AP of course uh, blatantly copied from the press release. I right, and it says uh, Heinz has cooked up a new recipe. Everybody, fifteen percent less salt, and I, uh, and they're not worried about uh, about consumers being turned off by a crappy taste. Apparently, which it'll, I'm sure you're going to notice a difference. I have a letter into uh, Heinz's PR department. Uh, to a couple of people there. As we speak, I had to do it over the weekend. And so nobody, you know, this is not a high-tech company, so they don't work on the weekends. And so I haven't gotten a note back yet. But I question this uh, public relations commentary because, and the question I ask is simple. Uh, Why don't you ban high-fructose corn syrup instead of salt in your crappy-ass product? Close. Even more interesting (laughs) is, my question is, are you telling me you haven't changed your formula in 40 years and you were using high fructose corn syrup in 1970? Ooh, I don't think so. Ooh, good question. I like that. So I'm waiting for the answer. So there are 16 other companies who uh, are complying. It actually says complying with... Complying? Uh, complying. Oh, oh, yeah. There's a rule, I guess. Yeah, this is from uh, the examiner whose website is actually a little bit funky uh, this morning. Uh, but it includes uh, Starbucks. It includes... Uh, Subway. Less salt in the Starbucks coffee. <laughs> they do sell food. Now, I must say there was an interesting um, article posted on noagendareport.com. By uh, the way, stop. What I just said about this is like a publicity grab. I, Starbucks should be ashamed of themselves. They don't have anything to do with They don't have a dog in the hunt. Well, of course. But, it's, by, <laughs> but by lending their name, they're giving credibility <laughs> To this bull crap. Yeah. So Starbucks, stop drinking any Starbucks, <laughs> anyone out there listening. Oh, seriously, I think that's really bad. So a, uh, a good piece written uh, by Professor Tom. Uh, this noagendareport.com is getting pretty good, actually. We, it's, it, people are starting to research stuff and contribute, and uh, I like it. Uh, you should take a look at that from time to time, John. This is one of the many websites that we have that are created by uh, our, the audience, which I love. And uh, the title of this is Codex Alimentarius Vis-a-Vis Fight Club's Oxygen Masks. And so he draws an analogy. And, you know, I still have not seen Fight Club because I thought it was like a dumb fight movie. I, oh, it's a great yeah, film. Yeah, I know. I got, so I got to get this on Netflix. Um, so apparently there's a, a, pe- a piece in Fight Club... Uh, there's a dialogue. Hey, do you know why they put oxygen masks on airplanes? And of course, well, because you can breathe. No, oxygen gets you high in a catastrophic emergency. You're uh, high on oxygen, so you're nice and calm as you ride it all the way down. So uh, he's drawing. The, Professor Tom draws the analogy to uh, to salt or sodium, and he says, "Look, this has been known to cause hypertension. Perhaps less salt will make people more calm, more, mm. more docile, more with the program." Just watch him, Joy Behar. And I think that, you know, that's it's not bad. It's not a bad theory, actually. I, I, I kind of like it. Could be. 
but the, the, but when you start googling around, it's amazing. You know, CNN, of course, uh, is all over the salt, and they had uh, what is it, uh, twenty five surprisingly salty processed foods. <laughs> it's just like it's like I, you know what? Pretty soon, blowjobs will be outlawed because they're too salty. <laughs> it's just nuts. Anyway, so the whole thing is, uh, and there's something called the Food Modernization Act that seems to be floating around that has something to do with this, and I think it has it's directly linked to the Codex. The whole thing is a uh, the fact that the ma- mainstream media is not questioning any of this. I mean, it's, no, they're the on first, board. They're they're they're, they're just... totally on board, but I don't think half of them realize. How idiotic it is. And I think the, the irony that I was going to point out earlier was the fact that the big giant food, you know, the McDonald's and all these giant Uber corporations that rely on salt and fat to get people to keep eating their food because it has a slightly addictive nature uh, are the ones that are going to suffer the most. So there's actually some sort of a humorous uh, aspect to this in that regard. Well, there's, 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 so there's a couple. First of all, salt is an essential, an essential what is it actually? Is it a mineral salt? Yeah, it's a, it's a mineral. You need to have you, it, especially you it. You, you, for your electrolytic balance yeah, in your you body. To, 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 like, you know, we have a lot of electricity, that, you know, that we need to, you know, operate ourselves. I mean, you know, that fires nerves yeah, and yeah. makes the heart pump. Yeah, you need, you need that some shit. salt in there, or otherwise, you know, it shorts out. Yeah, and 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 um, so salt is is completely essential. But throughout the years, salt has been uh, used in. A variety of interesting ways. First of all, we're probably using a lot less salt than we used to because you know we have refrigeration now. We don't need to to you know to bury everything in salt to keep it from spoiling. Uh, but the Roman the Roman soldiers, foot soldiers, were actually paid in salt. Uh, in fact, that's where the word salary comes from, from sal, as in salt, the uh, Latin sal. Um, and salt has been used as money in uh, in history. Uh, maybe maybe they make want to want to grab all the money now before we actually need it before we revert to using salt as cash. You know what, what's kind of amusing is that this whole salt thing comes right on the heels uh, of a and if you anyone who's gone to any of the gourmet food expos for the trade, it comes right on the heels of a huge salt fad. And you can find it in a lot of specialty grocery stores. There will be a, you know, a myriad of wacky salts. This was largely triggered by people, chefs like Thomas Keller at the French Laundry, who will serve uh, little pe- little plates full of different kinds of screwball salts from Hawaii, and so there's l- lava salts and sea salts and pink salts that are in giant crystals. And it, this was like a big deal. And uh, in fact, the local store down in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area, gourmet kind of high-end grocery store, Andronico's, they have a huge salt selection. And so salt became like a, a kind of a, 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 amongst foodies, a big deal. You know, so oh, I want, I'd like to have the Malaysian green well, and Let me tell salt. you, John, I, you know, I've been cooking a lot recently. Mickey's also on this diet where she has, you know, specific stuff. And I'm really getting into it. And uh, the first thing I notice is, hey, you need damn salt on everything. If you don't put some salt, and I, I, I use sea salt uh, from Formentera, actually, in Spain, where a lot of good sea salt comes from. And you need it. You, you you can't cook without it. Everything tastes like crap if you don't use salt. 
Usually salt and pepper. If you watch any of, of the course, gourmet pepper, cooking shows, the guys, you watch Jack Papan, who's like in, I think he's 80 something now, in great health, uh, you know, it's been around forever. And he, he cooks, he says a little pepper, he puts, you put like a shitload of pepper, and then he takes like a handful of salt and dumps yeah. it in there. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, a little salt, he's always calls it a little salt. It's quite a bit, actually. It's a lot more than I use. Right. So the bottom, bottom line is, of course, uh, you know, the, the salt that is in processed, prepackaged foods are needed because otherwise people would figure out it's not actually food that they're eating. It's cardboard that is salted uh, to make it taste like some kind of food. Yeah, there's too much salt. And, but that's fine. But, you know, educate people. Don't tell them what to do. Shut up, slave. Right. You know, and that's by the way, to educate people out there, I'm going to tell you a couple salt tips. Okay. John uh, C. Dvorak, salt tip <laughs> of the day. The really great salt in the world that just for some reason has got, it just has everything going for it are these hand, uh, th- these things are, are pulled by, by individuals uh, in various salt marshes. And it's it's French, uh, but they do make it here and there. It's called fleur de sel, F L E U R D E S E L, and it's a, it's a it's an outstanding salt, especially in a salad or something that maintains its crunchiness, and it's just a fantastic thing. And there's also something that that they try to sell the American public called gray salt, which is a salt that the French really rarely cook with, uh, and it's don't get it, it's it's junk. <laughs> And uh, the other one is uh, there is a bunch of smoked salts now. Mm. And if you have this strongly, the American ones are overly smoked. But there is a fleur de sel that is smoked called fume sel, which is actually the only, pretty much the only salt I'm using currently, that is absolutely fantastic. It's got a very light smoke taste, but you, you can't really identify it as smoky. Very good stuff. And where do I pick this up? At Costco? I don't know. I don't know where to get this stuff. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move off of code. I, I want to play a clip that is a double whammy. It's a media. That's actually a triple header. It's a media assassination. It's uh, a big boo boo, and it's uh, it shows you why uh, our national treasure NPR is full of crap. Now this is an awesome clip from KCRW. Uh, where is it? Where's KCRW? Is that in San Francisco? It's in California, right? KCRW. I think it might be one of the low, one of the small uh, PBS stations somewhere in Northern California. It's, uh, NPR, I think. Oh, NPR. Okay, yeah. whatever. Anyway, so they have this show. In fact, let me. Uh, this is a radio clip. Yeah, this is a radio clip, and it's a wow. good one. Yeah, this is a show called Left, Right, and Center. Ah, I've heard it. Okay, and uh, on this is the guy Blakely, who's. Um, yeah, you know he used to be on the McLaughlin Group, right? He's and, got a he's got a, whore, a dog in every hunt. Yes, yeah, he does. Well, actually, it's interesting because on the site, you know, they have their financial disclosures and and all the hosts are like, oh, I here's what I do. I get paid for this. You know, I'm your medical correspondent. And of course, people don't give a crap about the disclosure. However, Ariana Huffington is also on this program. She is one of the four hosts of the show, and I guess she couldn't make it to the studio. She was too busy counting her cash. And uh, she says something about so- something that a TSA agent said to her um, about x-ray machines. And then notice what happens in the program and notice how they just talk right on over it. Uh, I, d- I don't want to give away because it's so good. So I'm going to play it for you right now. 
Well, again, I, I love to analyze that anger. And it has so little to do with conservatism or not conservatism and so much to do with the sense that the government is not on people's side. So, you know, the conversation is about uh, conservatism, liberalism, blah, 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 blah. The government isn't taking care of me. Ah, the government needs to control me. And, and, you know, there's so much evidence for that. I mean, I was walking through the airport yesterday, and there was this... Um, um, this guy who was an official, you know, an official checker. She's she's trying to come up with TSA, but smoke's yeah. coming out of her ears. You know, an official checker. Yeah, okay. Of uh, through the security line, and he stopped me. And he started complaining. You know, he liked what I'm saying, so I presume he's a liberal. But he started complaining about government. He said they're not taking care of us. He said they had promised. Eight of my friends have got cancer from this from these machines. They had promised to to give us a way to track how much cancer radiation coming out but the government has done nothing and he kept oh i, I think we lost ariana there bob uh, you want to pick it up uh, well, I- <laughs> so she says something amazing which is that the tsa guys are getting cancer from the x-ray machines they cut her off like, oh oh i mean listen to the delay between when she's cut off and when he says oh we lost her it's like a nanosecond. Now, be, meanwhile, you can imagine a producer in the background agree with he, doing the cutting the throat motion. And exactly. And the, and then listen. So he said, "Oh, uh, let's pick up on that here in the studio. What do you think, Ariana? I think the the problem is not one of well, it's anti-incumbency only in the sense that the incumbents have betrayed us. That- so it doesn't say a damn thing about TSA agents getting cancer from from the machines. Not a damn thing. Just c- continues right on. They cut her off. They it's clearly clearly oh sh- 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 oh no she didn't she was no she didn't talk about the, oh cut her off cut her off gone well she won't be back either <laughs> I, I i just thought that was an outrageous outrageous clip and she doesn't and she doesn't even understand what she's saying she doesn't even understand she's she's so, so wrapped up in herself she doesn't understand the importance that these machines are causing cancer they probably are. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. For, I mean, I've seen no evidence of that, but it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, you're sitting near an x-ray machine all day long, and you know, and you're just, you know, day after day, week after week, month after month. I mean, you've got to be getting some. I mean, it, the thing's got what? It, you, your suitcase goes in. There's a couple of flaps laying there. The thing is zapping the crap out of everything, and they push the, the high-energy button to take an even closer look. Yeah, you know this guy stuff's bouncing all over the place. Now that you got that new machine, the the Miller wave thing. You know, Mil- thing, uh, there's evidence wave, that yeah. that particular uh, those waves cause uh, cataracts. Um, it's got to be bouncing all over the damn place. So I just thought that was uh, fun to listen to. How your national treasure censors at will. Well, they probably lost the connection. Because yeah, somebody- all right. She's on for half an hour, and then all of a sudden she says something interesting. And then, yeah, and then they don't oh, even address that oh, part. Yeah, That's yeah. what's very uh-huh. funny. Mm-hmm. Well, they have an agenda. <laughs> In fact, I have a couple of clips. Speaking of agendas. By the way, you know, I'm still working on the educational uh, uh, information that will, it's kind of like a feature when we get around to it. <laughs> yeah, when your uh, book comes out. <laughs> and when the book comes out. <laughs> Any minute. So when the book We've comes been talking out, about we'll your book for two and a half years, dude. There's no the book. book. Is, the book is done. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, uh, it just needs organization. <laughs> so let's see here. We've got a couple of clips that are kind of just showing the... the public broadcasting, the, the in, kind of the inherent racism 
that they don't even know themselves that they're doing. And uh, so let's play the beginning cl- part of this whole ridiculous little uh, interview with the, with the guy who I've always found to be weird because I don't even know where he came from, but he's been all over PBS. Tavis Smiley, if that is indeed his real name, um, who, who has this very strange accent that I, I can never identify. And he's kind of a, in this case, he's kind of stammers a little bit more than he normally does. And I'm wondering why that is. And he's interviewing this novelist named Isabel Allende, who uh, sounds like a, just a terrible person and obviously a racist if you listen to this clip here, which is the Tavis Smiley Elende racism clip. Um, when, you, when you unearth um, the backstory um, of a true story like um, the birth of New Orleans, like the slave mm-hmm. revolt in Haiti. Um, like what? The revolt in Haiti? Yeah, she uh, she has this novel where... The you know the Dominican I think it was the Dominican Republic in Haiti they had a slave revolt and they took over the place. Oh and right, they, yeah, of course. Of and course they, they I guess a bunch of people went to New Orleans and were uh, became, I don't know. Right, I, yeah. I have to read this. So she made it all up. I mean, she's got some facts, but it's done as a novel. So who knows what's going on? Would you ever at any point tempted to not write fiction, but? to write non-fiction? On the contrary. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I love fiction because yeah. in fiction you go into the, the thoughts of people, the little people, the people who were defeated, the poor, the, 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 the women, the children that are never in history books. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you write non-fiction, a historical account of what really happened, first of all, it's always white men who do that. Mm-hmm. And you don't have the voices that are really interesting to me of the people who are not sheltered by the big umbrella of the establishment. Mm. No, everything, right. everything. You know, if you write what really happened, she says, which I think is the, the telling line. What really happened? No, no, I don't want to write what really happened. I want to kind of make, make crap it up. up. Make it up. <laughs> and it's the white guys always. Uh, is, is that what yeah. you're saying? The white white man bad? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, this is kind of new, There's an out-and-out racist comment. That's yeah, of course it is. Jump on. And he should be ashamed of himself. He hangs out with Farrakhan and a bunch of these other characters. And then when something that is obviously blatantly racist is brought up on his show, he, like, plays along. I have clip number two coming up. Uh, racism two? Yep. Nonfiction, a historical account of what really happened. First of all, it's always white men who do that. Mm-hmm. And you don't have the voices. Uh-huh. That- That's t- that just really bothers me. Yeah, oh yeah. That, that's, real, that's a bothersome thing, all right. That are it's really worse. interesting to me, of the people who are not sheltered by the big umbrella of the establishment. Mm. What does it say about the way we teach history, uh, about our literature more broadly, that your point is true, that because history is told through the voices of white men, there's so many other voices that get lost. And for us, oftentimes, to get those voices, we have to rely on fiction, of all things. Mm-hmm. How fascinating is that? It is fascinating, but it's, it's really everywhere is the same. Yeah. Um, now, of course, we have uh, black historians, mm-hmm. but they're usually men. And we, we get the perspective always, uh, the slanted per- perspective of what has happened, uh, the battles, the, the things achieved, mm-hmm. the laws. But where are the people, the families? What happens inside the houses, inside the minds and the hearts? And that's what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Here's a loaded and impossible question at the same time. How might our, our read of history be different were we to hear 
the voices of the women and the children and the others that have been historically left out. I think it, it changes completely. Mm -hmm. And now we are living in a time when that is possible because we have all the technology to record things in the streets. What a crock of crap. <laughs> By the way, what she's talking about is cult cultural anthropology, which is, is, is being executed left and right. And not all historians are men. By any means, no, that's, that's and every ridiculous. female historian who ever who listens to this sort of thing should be up oh, in yeah. arms about it. And by the way, history is the study of quote unquote history, not about some dreaming up what people are thinking when you don't really know. You don't know what's in their brains when you're a fiction writer. You're just making a story that's that's compelling for people to read. This woman is sickening. Yeah, that's this whole uh, white men. That's that, that's that's starting to bug me a little bit. When it's so blatantly obvious, and Tavis Smiley says nothing about it. Now, who gives He's a crap on about board. him? Yeah, who cares about him? Well, a lot of people watch that show. Mm. What's it on? PBS. Oh yeah, uh -huh. the, the, the National Treasure. <laughs> Another national, national treasure. Racist treasure. <laughs> a national racist treasure. Ah, that's pretty bad, man. Yeah, I thought I'd, I thought I'd liven things up for show two hundred. Yeah. Um, let me uh, catch everybody up on the. Uh, I, you know, I keep wanting to not do it, but I just can't stop with the planes bad, trains good. Uh, you promised two shows. Yeah, ago. I know it's impossible talk about it anymore. So you know, my uh, my daughter is in Gitmo Nation Lowlands. By the way, she did uh, the Yuri. There's this show called the New Yuri Geller. You know no, who Yuri other. Geller is, right? And it, it and the show is not. I think that it was the big finale. It's it's basically it's a reality elimination show, and they're trying to find the next Yuri Geller, and Yuri Geller is the judge, and it's pretty bad. And <laughs> and so they have all these these jabronis who come on and do woo crazy stuff, and so they ask my daughter to be a, a celebrity to have some crazy stuff done to her. And uh, <laughs> this was great. And the guy, the guy is like, okay, Christina, he's going to put her in trance, right? And she's like, dad, I was totally faking all this. Listen, he's like, okay, you've had a tough year. I can feel it. Like, yeah, like it wasn't in the press. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I feel that. My mom and dad are getting divorced. Yeah, I was like, I feel like, um, I feel like, yes, I can feel like you felt alone and you didn't want to eat. Like, yeah, that, it's all been in the press. Like, this guy has just basically read some gossip magazines, but she did a great job. She had tears rolling down her cheek, and, you know, and the guy, like, then a pearl comes out of his eye or something. Ooh, I cry pearls, whatever. She was crying. She, 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 she can, can do it. Oh, yeah. you know? oh, she is Meryl Streep Jr. Oh, she's amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, she's great. Well, she got paid, so. We should mention to people out there that a lot of actors can cry on cue. Mm. Mickey can do so, it too. So my my. Uh, wait, 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 let me let me finish the story. I'm just going to say, don't date an actress. Are <laughs> uh, you kidding? I have 25 women here. It's awesome. Uh, so you know, I I have a car to pick her up when she gets back to uh, the UK, and she texts me this morning. Says, "Not nah, Dad, uh, can you have it pick me up at uh, at uh, Pancreas Station?" Because it uh, looks like, besides there being a British airway strike, the ash cloud is coming back again, conveniently timed with the British airway strike, I might, I might add. And uh, the airports are going to be closed Monday. They already know that. So she's taking the train back. So, of course, then I'm like, oh, brother. All right, so what's going on with trains? And then there's this whole this, this British airway strike 
is pretty amazing. Um, we got an email from uh, one of our producers in the United Kingdom from Simon. He says, you know, I live with three cabin crew that work for uh, British Airways, and none of these people want to go on strike. In fact, in there was a strike in December or January. Everyone, as far as he knows, everyone and his crewmates, everyone voted against it, and they still went on strike. So there's something very weird, uh, particularly now that we know the new government is going to uh, never allow a third runway at Heathrow, uh, no more expansion of Gatwick, that they're going to bring in the high-speed rail guaranteed. And there's just you know clip after clip of, and it's all in the show notes at noagendashow.com, of, uh, of British Airways personnel going, we don't want to go on strike. This is not about money. We feel, we feel reasonably paid. Uh, we, we don't want to lose our jobs. In fact, we're afraid that uh, we're going to get squeezed out. They'll bring in lower-paid uh, employees, to maybe just to get rid of us. But I'm pretty sure it's, it's, it's connected somehow to just getting rid of air travel altogether. And then over the weekend, our president, I think this was the weekend, or was it Friday, uh, was in Buffalo. And uh, there's two clips i got to play after another. So he's in Buffalo, and a guy gets up, obvious shill. Uh, yeah, are we going to get any uh, high-speed transportation here in Buffalo? Well, not only does the president answer the way you'd expect, but he throws in something we hadn't heard in a public setting before. So I've got time for a couple of questions. Ah, well, I've got the, his yeah, question, too. right here. Well, it was hard to get an audio clip, uh, so I had to get it off of someone who recorded it off of TV. You got a decent voice. I actually have. Did you have you have the clip? I don't have this clip. I have the speech, but I'd have to go dig the clip. No, that's okay. We'll, we'll get to it. My question is: During your term of office, will Buffalo see the transit system improvement for this country arrive here in Buffalo? Well, you know, it's a great question, and I know that uh, you know the issue of infrastructure and transit transportation is big here but it's big all across the country uh answer the question the listen, that listen. we put forward had one of the biggest investments in infrastructure since eisenhower started the interstate highway system but the backlog of work and projects that need to be done is so big that it's going to be a multi-year process that we've got to embark on my hope is that Democrats and Republicans working together are going to be able to find a long-term financing mechanism and that we start investing not just in highways, but also in mass transit. Now, now I want you to listen to two things. First, he's going to tell you how great it's going to be in all these places that really need trains connecting him. High-speed rail, and especially along the Eastern Corridor, and say where I'm from, Chicago, where you've got Chicago, Detroit, Cleveland, St. Louis, Indianapolis. You know, you've got all these cities that are pretty close by. They're a half hour, 45 minute flight. But if you had a high speed rail system, a lot of people would end up using the rail system instead of flying. It'd be, uh, Which, of course, there's no evidence of. But... Here it comes. More convenient for a lot of folks, and you wouldn't have to take off your shoes. There we go. We already have this clip. But he's, this is the first time he's saying it in public, and then I want to play this clip right after it 
from CNN, which was on the same day after the president says you won't have to take off your shoes, we have CNN's American Al-Qaeda. American citizens radicalizing, eager to kill their countrymen. Venus is the terrorist next door. The American Al-Qaeda. Now, what are the Al-Qaeda going to do? Who do they want to kill? How are they going to do it? You don't have to take off your shoes, slave. Al-Qaeda's target, the busiest commuter railroad in the United States, the Long Island Railroad in New York. <laughs> so how do we, uh, how do we harmonize that? <laughs> the terrorists are going to hit the railroads. The American Al Qaeda is going to hit the railroad. They're setting us up now. Somebody has somebody has screwed the pooch when it comes to getting the message, you know, normalized between the government and CNN. This is just nuts. I mean, supposed to be. You guys were supposed to have produced the show on on homegrown terrorism. You were not supposed to. Did you get the memo? You're not supposed to attack the trains, you idiots. I, we've got to keep this clip, this Obama clip, because now this was public. The other one was a private little ceremony. We've got to keep this because the minute we have to start taking our shoes off before getting... It's going to be take your shoes off, put your depends on. When that happens, we're going to be playing this clip over and over again. Because it's going to happen. You, of course, you're going to have to take your shoes off. We'll have all yeah, kinds of security. It could be a shoe bomber, you know, a train shoe bomber. But the president said it. He said, you won't have to take your shoes off at all, ever. You can take that to the bank. Well, he said a lot of stuff that he hasn't followed up on. And I listened to that Buffalo speech. I actually was going to put that in the clips today. The beginning of that speech is like, you know, he's still just like he's on the campaign trail. Yeah, I, know. I mean, it's just it's just horrible. I mean, I'm surprised people can even want to listen to him speak because it's he's got that cadence that gets on your nerves. And it's always like he's a cheerleader. He's worse than Bush. Is a, Bush was a cheerleader. This guy is a wannabe. And then, the, of course, the only news that comes out of this whole uh speech in in buffalo is uh, he stopped at a buy, at a diner to get some buffalo wings and oh, yeah, and he plug and he gives them a huge plug which i think is you know questionable and then if you saw the clip of it, he's in there saying, "No, no, no! You know, you I can't, you can't pay for it. I have to pay for it." And he brings out his wallet and yeah. pays for it because it's it's a it's a you get thrown in jail if they give him a free buffalo wing. So uh, Luann Haley comes up to the president and says, "You're a hottie with a smoking little body," and then uh, and then Obama says, "Oh man, watch out! Uh, Michelle's going to get on your case." And, and then she says, that's all right. Hi, Michelle. Eat your heart out. This is this is a part of the cheat gene uh, set up, of yeah. course. But he's, rec- gene, yeah. uh, he, he's, uh, he's received the vaccine. Nothing so he won't to cheat. see here. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, real yeah. news. It's yeah. got it all. It's got it all. <laughs> nothing to see here. Ooh, look at that. It is, however, interesting to note that this uh, Wings restaurant is located right next to the uh, uh, educ- to, um a building where a lot of uh, people from the Department of Education are uh, located. Hmm. That was just kind of offhandedly mentioned in a report. So maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. But yeah, totally nothing to see here. And that's all the news reports on. They don't talk about anything else. All it yeah, is so they is... talk uh, about the woman about the who complimented Obama for being a hottie. Well, yeah, we're hot. What kind of coverage? Who cares? <laughs> I love it. By the way, I picked up an interesting little thing. Just as an aside, if you got my clips, I got a little interesting one that says that soap opera. Tell me that you're not hearing a message in there. Because you don't want to think about being alone. You're right. 
I wish I could stop thinking about it, even for a second. But everything I do reminds me of Brad. Taping the show, visiting family, looking at my son. It starts in the morning when I... Ah! <laughs> yeah, we, message received. <laughs> I love it. What was that from? I don't know. One world. What are you watching, Dvorak? <laughs> I was just flipping around and I saw. Oh, I was watching this, looking to get some sort of a like. I, I figured there may be a clip possibility, and she drops the in the morning bomb. I said, oh, that's something. It's beautiful. I, I don't. It, it's it's crazy. This, I don't know how we do it. <laughs> I just. I don't know how we do it. It's definitely out there. So the president, um, uh, in his weekly address, replicated almost word for word, by the way. I mean, of course, the words are different, but the whole meme is the same in his, uh, in our, I'm sorry, it's our presidential address, our weekly uh, radio chat, which he does yeah, on I, YouTube. You know, I missed it. I got the, I caught the only, the end of it where the Republican was blasting him. Well, no, no, this is, uh, this is his, uh, his weekly radio chat, which yeah. is, which of course is a YouTube video. Where uh, he always pushes the agenda, so you just got to watch that. It comes out on Saturday. It's always, it's all, it's all. So you know what's going on, right? So we played the one when it was about passing health care. Now it is the Financial Reform Act, which is the new health care, and uh, which I have read, and uh, I am just calling the Federal Reserve Empowerment Act, because essentially the Federal Reserve will be overseeing the banks. So they're already a commercial institute of banks. You know, the, the, yes, they've they've been outsourced by the United States government, but they are the banks. Uh, the, the who's on the board of governors, the bankers. So the bankers will be watching the bankers, and they basically get all the power. And uh, when when you read this, that's that's all that the act is about. But and this actually leads into an interesting little uh, little commercial slash meme. But I just want you to listen for a second about the the lies that the president is spewing. That it's going to protect the consumer, and I'd want to remind you that we passed this health care bill, and uh, I have yet to see one person being interviewed anywhere. And by God, there's enough people who were supposed to have been saved and forever helped, but I don't see anyone jumping up and down saying, "Yeah, I got health care." You don't see it. All you see is experts talking about how great it is, but you don't see any citizens. So this is now the next health care the president will be pushing as more power comes into the hands of. Um, in this case, the bankers. And I'll continue working hard to make sure that happens. But my responsibility as president isn't just to help our economy rebound from this recession. It's to make sure an economic crisis like the one that helped trigger this recession never happens again. That's what Wall Street reform will help us do. In recent weeks, there's been a lot of back and forth about the reform bill currently making its way through Congress. There's been a lot of discussion about technical aspects of the bill. And a lot of heated and, frankly, sometimes misleading rhetoric coming from opponents of reform. See, it's always the same. And, you know, I've never heard the president actually say this before, I don't think. He's always saying, oh, people are lying. Other people are lying. It's uh, misleading. I don't like it. It it doesn't stand for good leadership. He does it too much. Yeah, and it's not a good leadership doesn't need that. And, quite frankly, if what you're saying is true, you don't need to even dispute that. You just lay out the facts, which he doesn't do. All of this has helped obscure what reform would actually mean for you, the American people. So I just wanted to take a few minutes to talk about why every American has a stake in Wall Street reform. (laughs) First and foremost, you have a stake in it if you've ever been treated unfairly by a credit card company, misled by pages and pages of fine print, or ended up paying fees and penalties you'd never heard of before. 
So this is like the credit card protection consumer thing that they've been talking about, which of course is still yet to be implemented. And, and, and meanwhile, credit card interests are what, 27, 28% still? There's, there's, there's nothing going to change there. And, and it's very little in this bill about that. And you have a stake in it if you've ever tried to take out a home loan, a car loan, or a student loan and been targeted by the predatory practices of unscrupulous lenders. The Wall Street Reform Bill in Congress represents the strongest consumer financial protections in history. Okay, so I don't have to play anymore. I just wanted you to hear it to understand it's bullshit. That is not in this bill. It's online, and it's still it's a proposal. It's not the actual bill. And you read it, it's like it's all about the Federal Reserve overseeing the big former investment banks, who of course now have become holding banks, uh, who, who can get federal money. It's all about giving power to the Federal Reserve. The, the Board of Governors is on every other article. So this is, of course, we need to spread this meme now, just like we did with healthcare. So now the banks got to get on board and they've got to start propagating the message. This is a commercial from Citizens Bank, uh, which is a great name because I think they're anything but a small community bank. Is that true, John? I, I don't know the size of them, but it doesn't. Sa- it sounds to me as though they're probably a monster. Yeah. And so um, what you see is a bunch of people who are citizens, and they're in a, like kind of like a courtroom setting, although it's not really a courtroom, but kind of like a courtroom bleacher, like they're the, the audience in a, in a trial case, and there's someone standing in front of them. And they switch back and forth between a couple of guys in white wigs who are supposed to look like our founding fathers. And the mess- <laughs> the message is, give us your cash. Oh, here we go. We all agree on one thing, that our country was founded on citizenship. Citizenship. Dad, what's citizenship? Oh, by the way, there's a little kid who keeps asking, Dad, what, what does this mean? What does that mean? What is citizenship? A system of rights and responsibilities. Banking. 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 Everybody carries their weight. Business and banking. Banking is part of the idea. I put money in the bank. The bank lends to me. The bank lends to me. One man's savings. is another man's mortgage. is another woman's mortgage. A new factory. Daycare center. College loans. Expansion. Growth. What's growth? It's jobs. Shared prosperity. Yes! That's what a bank is supposed to be. A facilitator of prosperity. One of us. That's the idea, right? That's how the forefathers saw it. Yes! It's simple. Good banking is good citizenship. Good citizenship is good business. Yes! Go for <laughs> And then it ends with a, a good bank. Wait a minute, this is more of an indictment of the educational system. Dad, what's growth? <laughs> but I love this. Banking is good citizenship. Give us just give us your cash. Just put you your cash. You gotta send me that clip because I gotta get those guys yelling yes. yes. Some rescue team. <laughs> We just need cash. I know a lot of people want to send blankets or water. Just send your cash. It, it's it's amazing. It's like because if John, you have to put your money in the bank because that's someone else's mortgage. That's someone else's small business loan. That's not how banks work. Well, they did back in the eighteen hundreds. Well, yeah, like of course, of course. But it's like whoa! Just you sit there, and you watch that, and you go like, okay, <laughs> just give us all your money. Please be a good citizen. Well, I like the structure of the commercial with the guys yelling yes. I mean, if you don't watch the commercial, you just listen to it. It's really got a uh, a nice structure, except for the idiot kid who may, who's distracting because he comes in and he asks the stupidest, Dad, what's growth? Mm-hmm. It's like, shut up, kid. Are you that stupid? 
Now, if we actually, uh, if, if we actually go back to the president's um, radio chat, they're about to screw the community banks, which is the thing that I got really worried about. You'll be empowered with the clear and concise information you need to make the choices that are best for you. We'll help stop predatory practices and curb unscrupulous lenders, helping secure your family's financial future. That's why families have a stake in it. And our community banks also have a stake in reform. These are banks we count on to provide the capital that lets our small businesses hire and grow. The way the system is currently set up, these banks are at a disadvantage because while they often play by the rules, many of their less scrupulous competitors are not playing by the rules. So that's just double speak for we're coming after you, community banks. That's the way I read it. Mm, I'm not getting that, but uh, we'll wait and see. But I'm sure they'd like to screw the community banks. They're the only banks that seem to have any... uh, Seem to be doing it right. Seem to have customers that like them. John, we're Uh, we're an hour into this program. I think we should... uh... Well, before we do, I might as well finish off with a very light thing. Okay, uh, good. Which is the because of the structure of that last commercial, I want to play the, the, the t- classic commercial called the Honey Bunches of Oats, which is a serial commercial, which has got all the elements. And I would hope somebody out there can can do a commercial like this around our show. You know, people like to produce stuff for us because this has really got the right rhythm. Unfortunately, I left a little bit of it after the this this up tempo ad. And I just caught the beginning of one of those depressing ads for, you know, some antidepressant prestige, <laughs> prestique or something. And so it's kind of an interesting contrast. But just play this ad. Have you tried Honey Bunches of Oats yet? Every spoonful is a little different. Mm. I've got three kinds of flakes. This is delicious. It's the perfect combination of sweet and crispy. I love it. This is so good. It's great. The magic's in the mix. <laughs> Depression is a... <laughs> Uh, we totally went like the magic's in the mix. But I like it was just, 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 you know going from one voice yeah, to another. Mm, it's uh, so good and all the rest of it. I thought commercial was dynamite. Yeah, I was like now with more crackpot flakes. Mm, it's the magic is in the mix. Yeah, someone's got to do that. That's awesome. <laughs> so that is of course uh, a big part of how our show works, and this is now uh, episode. 200 um we have a different model that we've uh, chosen for one that consists of no commercials and uh the donors uh, of this program will be receiving a a special link to listen to uh, the backstage version of the show um which includes a lot about uh, how we put it together why we put it together how we morphed and how we stumbled upon this way of doing the program not having commercials but also not being maniacal about copyrights and ownership and we have now an entire slew of websites that are, um, I want to say audience, but it's more like our community, we call them producers, have set up around this show from uh, the No Agenda Toolbar to the No Agenda Network, the No Agenda Search, uh, our In the Morning Tea, No Agenda Floor Mats, No Agenda Travel, uh, No Agenda Book Club, No Agenda Forums, No Agenda Art, No Agenda Karma, No Agenda Proxy. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. By the on way, the on. No Agenda Proxy, for you people out there who can't get to the Dvorak.org slash NA donation page, go to No Agenda Proxy. It works great. Oh, you've tried it? I've tried it. It works good, yeah. It works well. So, so And people, uh, from time to time, I think we may even have Adam Burkpile in, uh, in the notes for today, from time to time, they'll make some money on one of their initiatives, and then they'll send us some. And we don't say how much. We don't uh, say, you know, you can keep it all for all, for all I care. It would be nice if you uh, 
you know, don't want to be a quintessential douchebag. And uh, the system seems to be working. Now, it's growing. It's not where it needs to be yet. But uh, once again, this week, we've had a lot of people help us out, and we uh, we appreciate the support. Yeah, so we have some good support. Uh, and, of course, we have a lot of support for the Deuce Club and a few uh, uh, people coming in late on the uh, Two Nickels on the Dime, which we'll mention here. And we will talk about them uh, with great uh, admiration. They also post a Deuce Club page, which will be all discussed on the two, 200.5 show. Uh, everyone who's on the uh, list to get uh, the link, we will have a link uh, to the 200.5 club sent to you by email uh, today, late today. <laughs> I got to update the uh, the mailing list before we do it. And uh, so, open your mail this time because I only half the time we send a mailing. I don't know about half the people ever open it uh, because that'll be the link. Then you can just click on it and you can listen to the show there. We'll have a direct link and a link to where it's where it's hidden. Uh, but let's thank some people for this week's uh, show besides our producers, our executive producers. we got Stephen Staff from Conklin, New York, who gave us $198. Brian Cuthbert's son, Brisbane, uh, Australia, $150. Uh, Stephen Staff, Conklin, New York, uh, $144.90. Uh, I'm worried that somebody here sent me a special note separately that once there's something else asked. Uh, Brian Cuthbertson, Brisbane. Okay, Stephen Stafford. Nadine Zanotti uh, from Covina. And I think she has a message someplace. I'll try to dig it up. Tammy Perry Olson. We got women. Yeah. Uh, 50, uh, two nickels two, on the dime. 200 episodes and 20 women. <laughs> uh, we, we, she, she wants us to credit Eric T. Olson. That he's the one who sent it in, and Tammy's his wife. Sorry, what, we, we take that back. It's not a woman. It's Eric using a woman's email. Oh, okay. uh, Stefan Schoen in Independence, Missouri. Uh, two nickels on the dime. John, John John Marino, Rocky Point in New York. And John Kelly and Matthew McDonald. Uh, Kelly's in Charlotte, North Carolina. Calgary for McDonald. Uh, all two nickels on the dime. And finally, Jordan Wyatt in... Uh, New Zealand, and has a message, happy 200th uh, episode on behalf of all the non-sanctioned, officially unrecognized Green Beret contingents of the No Agenda vegans. <laughs> P.S. Remember, he's a, you know, P.S. Remember all the vegan bashing, and now for our numbers, we must be coughing up the big bucks. Uh, Bart uh, Burton's, uh, in, is it pronounced best? Netherlands? Yes, best. Correct. Best. Best, best, best. Uh, he, he wants to actually be credited in the 201st show, but it's too late now. And uh, Good job. And finally, uh, somebody gave us the under the, the, the anonymous amount, so I'm not sure whether he wants to be mentioned or not, but uh, I want to mention this. He says, pass the note on to Adam. He's de-douching himself. Oh, wait a minute. You've been de-douched. Uh, since his last fifty donation, fifty dollar donation was over a year ago, he wanted to make sure you got this message after NA one ninety nine. He's very concerned uh, about uh, how you got the. I, did I send you this note? He's, yeah, you sent me this note. We don't think we need to belabor it anymore. 
about, yeah, okay. about about my uh, my hardware. I think that I think we did enough on the previous episode. You did it. I did that. I know. To do that. That's I what you don't need to bring it up again. That's fine. Thank you. Yeah, that's it. Then that's the end of our list. Okay, I got a couple of uh, special uh, other mentions. In fact, a couple of uh, birthdays. My name is Eric Lyons. Now, this is one of our $5 a month recurring donations. Uh, of course, he doesn't have his own PayPal account. His dad, Melvin Lyons, has uh, the PayPal account. Uh, and uh, this uh, Sunday, May 16th, is his 23rd birthday. Hoping to get a birthday shout-out if possible. Absolutely. Congratulations. Also, um, happy birthday shout-out to friend and listener Mike. And call him out as a douchebag for not wanting to donate yet. This is from Dago J in the chat room. Okay, Dude. Mike. Douchebag. <laughs> we have another. Did you, did you get Nadine has a birthday announcement too. That's what I was looking. For. Read Nadine then. Nadine, she says she made the donation on behalf of her boyfriend Aaron Marino or Moreno on Sunday, May sixteenth. Is his birthday, so there's no better gift than this donation. Yay. And then finally, one more from the Karma Club, and uh, you can enter these at noagendakarma.com. Adam and John says, Seth, uh, plenty of stories about people getting gigs donating to the show, but I recently got laid. Let me tell you the story. I was in a, this is an incredible story, by the way. I was in a bus station in Ecuador. That's a great way to start off any story, I might add. (laughs) Yeah. I remember I was in a bus station in Ecuador. I spotted a girl with an iPod touch. I could clearly see the album art and recognize the podcast as no agenda. I was able to start a conversation with the hot blonde from Sweden who happened to be heading to the same small beach town as I was. No agenda gave us something to talk about on the three hour bus ride and we hit it off. We, I should do this like Casey Kasem. We exchanged in the mornings the next morning and parted ways. Thanks, Adam and John, for helping to relieve my sexual frustration. Whenever I have some spare cash, I'll throw it your way. <laughs> no agenda. It gets you laid in the morning. Do you believe that story? You know, it's a great story. <laughs> I agree. All right. Time for a couple of knighthoods. Uh, John, who do we have on deck for our knighthoods? Well, first, uh, Mr. John Snyder, soon to be Sir John Snyder. Yes. John Snyder, please step up and kneel. John, uh, time to unsheath. Yeah, you got it. Good. John Snyder, do you hereby swear by your life and love that you will never live for the sake of another man nor ask another man to live for yours and that money is the material shape of the principle that men who wish to deal with another must deal by trade and give value for value if you do then we hereby knight thee Sir John Snyder knight of the No Agenda Roundtable alright who's next Jordy, uh, good old Jordy Ramirez. Jordy Ramirez. Okay. I think we might want to sharpen up that one a little bit. Okay. Jordy Ramirez, kneel before Crackpot and Buzzkill. Under the same vows aforementioned, we hereby knight thee, Sir Jordy Ramirez, knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. Please step up, come over here, and enjoy your hookers and blows. And if you're new to the program, a donation of $1,000 in aggregate uh, gives you a knighthood and uh, a ring. I did ping Neil, by the way, 
for the for the designs. Has he sent you anything yet? Uh, no, he hasn't sent anything. But if we start pestering him, he'll have to do it. Okay, because we're so, set. We uh, have a manufacturer. Everything else is all good to go, right? We just yeah, we, we're design. pretty set. Okay. So, by the way, we do have a one correction, perhaps, but we're going to put it off till next week. Which is uh, Stephen's staff has actually made two donations uh, this week, which put him over the top for the executive producer. But since he put him, one was 198 and another one was 144. I, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't want to be because it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So we'll just ask him and he'll be executive producer next week. Groovy. All right. And, of course, we have uh, donors for the Deuce uh, Club, and uh, they'll get the special backstage show. Um, well, I guess they'll receive that today in the email or tomorrow. Yeah, it'll you know, be tonight. Are. Yeah. And uh, and that's kind of a backstage. Uh, it's a backstage pass to the Noah. It's a backstage. Show. We're going to talk about how we do the show, what we, why we do the show, what uh, some of our, you know, what, you know, essentially what you. It's inside stuff, you know, inside baseball. Uh, so we construct the show, yes. our own show. There you go. Uh, we might find that it sucks. <laughs> So something, it may be the last show. Something kind of disconcerting. Uh, this was actually for for a moment there a trending topic on Twitter. Well, by the way, before we go on to that, don't forget to mention Dvorak dot org slash na or donation site, uh, and Dvorak dot org slash nas for the stream, and also channel Dvorak dot org slash na. It's amazing how we still get donations for the the lack of attention we we spend on actually telling people how they can donate. <laughs> yeah, I know it's amazing. By the way, I want to mention that at midnight tonight, the Deuce Club is closed. Good. The site comes down. Good. Midnight Pacific time. So, uh, trending topic on Twitter for the past couple days: rainbow clouds seen over Los Angeles. Similar to clouds seen before Chinese and Chilean quake. Um, and this is uh, the changing of the colors of the sky that uh, we've been tracking, John. Okay, wait, hold on a second. First of all, I want to mention just Dvorak.org slash deuce for the deuce club. But, but hold on a second. You're in L.A. Yes, so I've seen him too. Oh. <laughs> yeah, hold on. Did you I'm... take a picture? You have a big fancy camera. No, I didn't. Uh-huh. I didn't. I should have done that, I guess. Yeah, that's kind of stupid, because now you won't believe me. I don't. Uh, so, well, so there's been a lot of uh, small quakes uh, this past week, but that's kind of normal for the region. I'm, I'm just saying that uh, a couple days before um, the big one hit China and the big one hit Chile, and even uh, right before Chile and right after, uh, there were these rainbow clouds in the sky, uh, which, you know, is some people are saying is a precursor to uh, an earthquake. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it could be some piezoelectric thing going on. Who knows? Um, well, I mean, I'm not possible. saying it's anything else. I'm not saying it's earthquake machine per se. I'm just saying that that's, uh, it, was, it was even a trending topic on Twitter. People were noticing this. Mm. And there's a, an interesting well, site. Maybe you're going to have Whopper coming up down there. Yeah. I mean, my uh, Mimi's noticed a bunch of, you know, she follows. She, every day she looks at the national, uh, the geo, whatever the heck it is, site oh, that you, shows no, all the earthquakes. No. What you want to look at is quakeprediction.com. That's the cool one to look well, what at. Is, what does quake prediction say? <laughs> quake, what does quake prediction say? Well, funny you ask. Let's have a listen. Good morning, this is Luke Thomas, QuakePrediction.com. Expecting about a 7.2 to 8.2, around a 7.7 earthquake in Southern California between today, May 9th, and May 15th. Most likely to happen around May 14th and 15th, but it could happen sooner. 
Again, a 7.2 to 8.2, about a 7.7 in Southern California. Please check the maps over at quakeprediction.com for more details. Again, this is Luke Thomas, quakeprediction.com. All right, there's Luke. Luke is our professional. So far, he's late. <laughs> yeah, isn't uh, what's the date today? It's the 16th, so he's two days late. Well, this is no good. Well, I'm just saying it could happen at any moment. Well, let's make sure we get that 200.5 show out of the way. <laughs> and get it uploaded quick. <laughs> and then, you, you know, if it happens tomorrow, you have enough time to recover to get your gear back in place for a Thursday. There's um, a number of two-to-the-head stories that I think we need to, uh, to make mention of. Uh, first one in the Gitmo Nation East in the United Kingdom. Remember the crazy uh, member of parliament who... Uh, thought uh, an, IP, an IP address stood for Intellectual Property Address? Stephen Yeah, Timms. he got his uh, IP uh, monikers mixed up. Yeah, he's like, oh, the Intellectual Property Address. Well, he got stabbed. Uh, well, I don't blame some of it. Come on. <laughs> it's like, hey, buddy. <laughs> screw you. <laughs> uh, he had, they had, these uh, members of parliament hold what they call a surgery, which I had to look it up, actually. A surgery is, uh, is not a medical surgery, but it's where constituents can come and speak with their members of parliament. And this 23-year-old woman apparently got upset with him, probably over that uh, IP thing, and stabbed him in the stomach. Ow. Yeah, and... Uh, so immediately, of course, that's uh, never let a good crisis go to waste. That's uh, rekindling the knife uh, epidemic uh, discussion in the United Kingdom. So that was a, a close call there. Then there's the, um, very interestingly, uh, the Polish two-to-the-head story. Uh, of course, half of the Polish government wiped out in, uh, in one go there in, uh, in Russia with uh, the amazing plashing, crashing plane right before the runway. Uh, I think we actually mentioned this and brought HP into the conversation, uh, but now it's starting to to get out there that uh, there might have been a whole bunch of important uh, NATO codes and other information on the plane, which you would expect a a president to carry with him. And, uh, you know, so there's a lot of talk now that uh, the Russians may may have acquired all of that due to this unfortunate uh, accident. So, you know, Launch codes. Who knows what? Who knows what those guys have? But certainly uh, keys to communication, etc. But that seems kind of logical if uh, if you have uh, half the government on the plane. But then, what's going on in Thailand? Did you see this uh, this assassination of uh, the general of the Reds? I mean, do you even know what's going on in Thailand? Well, I know all hell's breaking loose. It's not a place I want to visit at the moment. No, and this is actually in. Uh, in Bangkok, where, uh, where all this stuff is taking place. But uh, yesterday, was it yesterday or the day before? So they're interviewing uh, Katia. I guess this is the, the general of the Red. So these are the, the, the rebel guys. And so there's a couple of uh, reporters around him. They have a camera there. They turn on one of those uh, camera lights Two seconds later, the guy gets two to the head. So, so they think it was actually a journalist. So, of course, that would probably be CIA, who more than likely are behind the whole thing anyway. Uh, set him up, you know, just flipped the light on, made him a nice target, and then a sniper picked him off from wherever and uh, and shot him. So that's going to um, 
I think, uh, make things a little bit worse. Well, one of our producers uh, from uh, from Bangkok sent in a note to me, and, uh, and I, I really have to study this. I, I really don't understand what's going on, but I guess it's the reds against the yellows, whatever. Uh, but it turns out that these reds have been barricading uh, the entire financial district, and, including... Uh, the offices of Goldman Sachs. It's just funny how these guys pop up wherever there's crap going on. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then uh, the U.S. ambassador to Thailand requested a meeting with the Reds. And it's just it's a, it's I, you know what uh, I'm all over the map here. I don't know what's going on, but it's all right. It's we'll, weird. We'll, we'll we'll I need clearly. help. I, you know what I need help on understanding. This has been going on for for months, by the way. What months? Yeah. Maybe yeah, I know. A this year. Is a, we've we've overlooked the story. The me- yeah. media hasn't helped anybody. Zero, zero. So we don't. So something, and because of that, we have to assume something's up. And uh, it won't take that long. I mean, I think it'll take us, uh, you know, a few days to catch up kind of with the story and then a few more days to figure out what the backstory is, which is the most important part. So see this as a call for help. (laughs) We need to understand. Yeah, if anybody out there has a good summary, we'll take a look at it. Yeah. Um, You want to talk about the oil cabal for a second or do you want to go into some clips? You have so many clips, I I want you to, to... Play a few, and then I'll, uh, I'll I'll wrap up with some oil cabal. All right, uh, a lot of these clips are pretty lighthearted. One of them is kind of interesting. I do have a Glenn Beck clip, mm-hmm. and I thought it was interesting because he's going on about some new regulations of the. Actually, he's going on about the, what's her name, the uh, Kagan, and the fact that he found a quote from her saying talking about this uh, using uh, counter information to to kill off uh, dissent. And and then she then he cited one of her uh, mentors as the guy behind the idea of taxing people. Of course, this is you know uh, Beck's interpretation of it, but it, it, there's some some truth to it. Taxing people who come up with conspiracy theories. Uh, which is just <laughs> Wait a minute, we already have PayPal taking our money. Now we have to pay more. <laughs> exactly. So listen to this clip, and here's what I, – I, I don't want to give away the, the – well, I call the clip Glenn Beck missing the point, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you in advance of what this clip's about. Glenn Beck is describing a situation as though it's some horrible thing that, oh, Obama's going to do, and, and this woman's going to uh, go for and all the rest it, of it. it Elena, what he's describing is already in place. Elena Kagan is uh, the nominee for Supreme Court Justice of the United States, the highest court in the land for those of you in other Gitmo Nation quadrants. Let's listen. Now, why is she complaining? This is not an isolated incident. Do you remember when the White House did their own media report on the visit by the Lady Huskies basketball team? Do you remember this? Here's the video. Okay. They did, they did this whole thing. But this is a Huskies basketball. Okay, but they did cuts. They did interviews with everybody else. No one was allowed to ask a question, but it's Huskies. Now no one is allowed to ask any questions of the nominee for the Supreme Court justice. I mean, we're talking now a lifetime. Well, we've got to read a 1996 paper in which she wrote, quote, If there is an overabundance of an idea in the absence of direct governmental action, which there might well be when compared with some ideal state of public debate, then action disfavoring that idea might unskew rather than skew public discourse. Okay, so I don't... 
So if that's too much. If there's too much dangerous Glenn Beck or Rush Limbaugh, or too much talk radio, action by the government can unskew things and balance out the opinion. Is this uh, also John about the? Um uh, what is it called? Fairness doctrine. Yeah, the fairness doctrine. Not really. It's. Uh, it, I mean, there's some. There's an element of that in there, but what he's describing is so humorous because this has actually been going on for years, and he seems oblivious to the fact that you know, and he can't seem to bring his head around to saying that's what they're doing now. I mean, that's what Obama does when you just pointed out in an earlier clip today. Yeah. You know, where he's saying, you know, well, these guys are full of crap, yeah. and here's what's really going on. Uh, that's been going on, and that's been going on for a long time. And but he doesn't seem to realize that, and he keeps pounding home this point, which is just you know off base, but very interesting. The only reason I kept it because it's actually quite interesting. You see, that's your new Supreme Court nominee. Oh, and, and in a completely unrelated uh, story, Kagan happens to be a big fan of Cass Sunstein. She said, quote, Cass Sunstein is the preeminent legal scholar of our time, the most wide-ranging, the most prolific, the most cited, and the most influential. Cass Sunstein, who I maintain, is the most dangerous man in America. Well, Cass Sunstein, we have talked about him, John, is kind of interesting because he's the guy that said we need to infiltrate all of these conspiracy groups and the tea parties. We've got to bring them down from the inside. Um, right, and he's probably his- behind the thinking where the tea party has, again, that Beck doesn't pay attention to, where they hold up the signs, you know, or they spit on a black guy, or they do all this stuff, which is obviously... Spit on a black guy? What is that? <laughs> that was a spit on a black guy incident. All right. <laughs> And it's no. like, you know, what are you going to do? I go spit on a black guy. That'll get some attention. But these guys are not part of the Tea Party movement. They are obviously infiltrators that are in there to make the Tea Party movement look like a bunch of boneheads. And, the, and, the, and it's going on already. But again, Beck doesn't seem to, to, to get his hands around yeah, but, the reality but, of his own situation. Yeah, but you do understand that, and, you know, I can't watch Glenn Beck anymore. I'm glad you do because someone has to. I, I only very rarely. I, but you know, to be honest it, about it, he's still a great performer. Yeah, but a, a key word performer because that's what he is. I mean, he's, and he's reading from teleprompter. He's no better than uh, the president. So. But anyway, let me finish hey. off here and you'll see what I'm talking about, which I still think is hilarious. Here's Cass Sunstein on banning and taxing certain forms of speech. I know, I know, it's just more academia, but but I want you to watch. What can the government do about conspiracy theories, and what should it do? Send us your cash. It might ban conspiracy theories, somehow defined. Two, the government might impose some kind of tax, financial or otherwise, on those who disseminate such theories. Three, (laughs) government might itself engage in counter-speech, marshalling arguments to discredit the conspiracy theories. Gibbs. Yeah, exactly. Robert Gibbs. (laughs) He's your man. Four, the government might actually formally hire credible private parties to engage in counter-speech. Five, the government might engage in informal communication with such parties, encouraging them to help. CIA. Yeah, really? It's like, so? This has all been going on for years, and this guy's making a big deal out of it? (laughs) I mean, I'm thinking... That sounds like... Yeah. He's getting more. Yeah, yeah. You were thinking what? You want to I'm just thinking, it's like either he's so naive to, to he's miss- just, no he's just telling you what's what's going on I mean, it's like cnn three years ago it's like doo, 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 news flash news flash cia is real news flash news flash 
That's all that it is. But it's entertaining. You're right. What she was saying. What do you got? Let me go back to the original statement. What if a small group of leaders, I think we have that, small group of world leaders, found that there was a threat to the earth and that the only hope for the earth would be to collapse the rich countries because the rich countries are the problem. I, I, I think we have all of this so far. And then they would collapse the system. In order to save the planet, the group would decide that the only hope was to collapse the industrialized world. Read the newspapers. Is that not happening? Ugh, I, can't listen. Okay, I, can't, I, can't, I can't listen to it anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Read he the gets newspapers. off the deep end. Play, uh, play Schwarzenegger's uh, uh, commencement speech. I'd like to ask Governor Schwarzenegger to deliver our keynote address this morning. Uh, what uh, university? Stanford? I don't know. Just play it. <laughs> Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> it's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all. <laughs> Crush your enemies. See them driven before you and hear the lamentation of the women. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> That'll be a hundred thousand dollars. Good night, everybody. Thanks for. I coming. mean, this is actually what this guy does. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you know, the guy made a great. I wish I had a career hey, like that. Yeah, you know, he had a bunch of buzz phrases. Get, make the check out the Schwarzenegger Arnold. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Wow. So, um, uh, remember I told you on Thursday about uh, C-SPAN all of a sudden editorializing. Which really yeah. freaked me out. So in between programming, they uh, so they have a, a recorded bit of the uh, the executives from BP, Halliburton, and Transocean, and this is a, a it lasted about three hours, as they always say. Um, <laughs> but they started for the first time I've ever heard this, and I, I wish I'd recorded it. Of course, I was watching on the wrong uh, on the wrong thing in the kitchen, wrong non DVR cable box. And the, uh, the voiceover said, uh, this is where the oil executives are pointing the finger at each other. And I watched the whole thing. And there w- it's, it is a gross overstatement to say finger pointing. I agree. What you I have, agree. I listen you, to that, too. Yeah, what you have is a whole bunch of people who, first of all, the, why are these guys, they should let them run their companies. They need to be running their companies, doing their bit to clean up, do, you know, let them get back to their people. We don't need all of these quasi-experts because everybody, and when I hear congressmen and congresswomen talking about, well, if the dead man switch hadn't failed in 260 spots and the blowout, blowout prevention, it's like, huh, what do you know? You know nothing. You just read, you're just read a report you know who knows what if the report is true or not it's just a waste of time and you're certainly wasting these guys time and there was yes they they were careful in their answers and i don't want to defend anybody but it was not a finger pointing exercise it was not like three hours of well it's halliburton's fault no it's got to be transocean's fault well bp that was not it but this has now become a meme and the president propagated this as he walks out into the rose garden with his administration and by the way i didn't see the epa uh, woman there i keep seeing napolitano is always next to the president you know so a, a clearly still national security uh, issue and then some other nondescript people i i couldn't even recognize them the only one you recognize is napolitano but i didn't see jackson 
from the EPA, would you think she'd be there? And here's what uh, the president had to say about this. That's why this legislation is important. It oh, yeah. Uh, by the way, of course, we've made some legislation. Also help ensure that companies like BP that are responsible for oil spills are the ones that pay for the harm caused by these oil spills, not the taxpayers. Uh, by the way, we already paid for it because it comes from the $2.7 billion fund that was put in place from tax money specifically to deal with these types of emergencies. And the only obligation BP or Transocean has is to clean up their rig, not the entire ocean. It's the law. It was put into law. It's in the show notes. This is well, in addition the, to the loans. Let, let, let me just finish his clip yeah, and yeah. we can go on. Interest loans that we've made available to small businesses that are suffering financial losses from the spill. Now, what that has to do, and then, yeah, jobs, whatever. Let me also say, uh, by the way, a, a word here about BP and the other companies involved in this mess. I know BP is committed to pay for the response effort, and we will hold them to their obligation. Just, uh, just a bookmark, obligation. What is their obligation? They only have an obligation to clean up around their rig. I have to say, though, I did not appreciate uh, what I considered to be a ridiculous spectacle uh, during the congressional hearings into this matter. Yet executives of BP and Transocean and Halliburton falling over each other to point the finger of blame at somebody else. Okay. Bull. Yeah, it's bogus. Bull. It's bull. It's just he, he didn't, didn't watch, watch it. He didn't anyway. watch it. He didn't watch it. And, and you know what? There, there is no video of anyone saying, because I watched the whole thing. You know, in fact... Uh, so I got an interesting little another well, hold tidbit. On, hold on a second. It's what we do, so you don't have to see So I, I want your tidbit in a second. So I just want to say a couple things. Because I, I have insiders working with me on this. Uh, we also have Mr. Oil in the chat room who a lot of people are conversing with. And he uh, he knows a lot about what's going on. And the uh, so a couple things. First of all, American companies may be stopped from drilling, but not foreign companies. In fact, they are expanding what they were doing in the Gulf. The uh, this is this is a move. And after you do your ditty, I'm going to wrap it all up with a global overview. But this is a move to squeeze smaller companies out. Uh, now they've also changed the uh, the rules on uh, insurance. So you'll be able to get you won't be able to get as much insurance as you used to uh, as a as an oil operator to for cleanup. And by the way, the insurance is paying for all of this. All of it is insured. BP doesn't have to pull a single dime out of its pocket. Uh, nor does Transocean, nor Halliburton, other than what they already pay in premiums for insurance. It's all taken care of. We're bringing in all kinds of means, and it's part of a of a a sixty year plan, which is ongoing. Which I'll talk about after you bring in your. I think. Pretty interesting analysis. Well, there's a couple things. Uh, first of all, let's do, read, do a little reading between the lines and see if you can find the the buzzword used in this back and forth between the CEO of BP America, who's the CEO of just a division, really, and and the senator from Washington State Cantwell. And tell me if you kind of notice a one word cropping up over and over and over again, which is a weasel word, uh, meaning that they're, you know, they're basically there's nothing's going to come of anything, but just play this back and forth. And, and, and both parties, in other words, the U.S. government and BP, is almost like they're reading from the same script. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, the same script, and it's a little uh, neuro-linguistic action going on. 
It literally was just last year that the last parts of the Exxon Valdez uh, cleanup were settled. I mean, it was a 20-year process, went all the way to the Supreme Court. So, Mr. McKay, are you saying you're going to avoid that by paying legitimate claims in advance? I know you can't stop anybody from suing you, but are you saying you're going to pay legitimate claims in advance of any court process? We are paying legitimate claims right now, and so yes, I am, and uh, obviously we, we can't keep from being sued, but yes, we're, we have said exactly what we mean. We're going to pay the legitimate claims. Okay, so if it's a legitimate claim, <laughs> a harm to the fishing industry, both short-term and long-term, you're going to pay? We're going to pay all legitimate claims. If it's an impact for business loss from tourism, you're going to pay? We're going to pay all legitimate claims. To state and local governments for lost tax revenue, you're going to pay? Question mark. Long-term damages to the Louisiana fishing industry and its brand? I can't can't quantify or speculate on long-term. I don't know how to define it. Additional troubles from depleted fisheries and their recovery? We're going to pay all legitimate claims. Shipping impacts. Legitimate claims. Impacts on further drilling operations. I'm talking about things now that were part of the Exxon Valdez. So I I, I guess what I'm saying is I I think the American people are most anxious about this. You know, John, I couldn't uh, I couldn't pick up on it. What was the uh, what was the repetitive word? (laughs) It was hard. It was hard to catch. Yeah, this is it. It's the same thing as the pre- you are you are so right. It's the same script, obligations as the president said and legitimate claims. This was all set out uh Clinton I uh, I believe actually set this in motion. This is all, it's all been determined. Uh, what a legitimate claim is, the uh, there's a cap on these legitimate claims. You're right. It is completely all set up uh according to a script. And they're both reading from it. Now, did you want to do something about the dead zone, or do I just go into my uh, my overview? John? Oh, boy. Well, that's weird. Did I, did I lose John? Hey, now. Hold on a second. Huh. Doesn't happen often. Of course, we don't have to wait as long as we used to. Hello. Yeah, what happened there? That was weird. Yeah, you said the word Clinton, and then you got and you hung up on. <laughs> I did not. I did not repeat. Did not hang up. That's weird. All right. Anyway, so anyway, let me go over a couple of notes here. One, of course, you know, saying yeah, we'll pay all legitimate claims, and all you do as a person or a company is say ah, it's not a legitimate claim. I mean, who's defining legitimate claims? A. B, this no, thing was so- this, this is what you missed when we got disconnected. Legitimate claims has been predetermined as by the law. Remember, we talked about this. I'll, I'll bring up the show notes from last week while you're talking. Uh, the, the, you can read this online. The amounts, the, the caps on the legitimate claims, it's all been predetermined. These guys are not going to pull a single penny out of their pocket. It's all, it's all, it's all taken care of. It's all bo- bogus, but the thing that's interesting to me is on the certain questions that he didn't answer, like he said, question mark there, you get the sense that Wait a minute, this woman's trying to trick me. I Maybe there's something more to this script and I don't know about it. I better not answer that one. Right. Well, and, and also, yeah, it wasn't a legitimate claim question. 
No, it so, was something vague. So therefore, you don't have to answer it. I'm uh, I'm pulling up the. Uh, I'm, I'm pulling. It's a up. scam. Well, here, <laughs> yes, it is, and uh, and let me tell you what the scam is. And this is something that, uh, as I was talking to uh, some of my insiders uh, over the past few days, it all of a sudden it dawned on me. <sighs> so, you what you have to understand is that. Oil is not continuously being pumped out of the earth and into refineries and being shipped around the world 24-7. This is, this is the big mistake that we don't understand. Um, the oil that is being sold today was probably purchased for 45 to $50 a barrel. And you have to look at the inventory levels if you really want to understand what's going on. This has been going on for 50, 60, maybe even longer than maybe 100 years this scam has been going on. And it's, it's, a, it's a build it up and then pop the bubble. Build it up and pop the bubble. So what's happening right now is everyone's holding on to their oil. Uh, they, they, they're, you know, they're, they're putting it in. I think we've talked about this. They're putting it into tankers. They're, they're getting rid of it, right? They're dumping it. They're putting it everywhere they can. This is why we see tanks need to be built in Haiti. Uh, in fact, the Canary Islands. Now, uh, the refinery there was just sold. Uh, a bunch of guys moving in. They, uh, we've talked about this, so they don't need to turn on the earthquake machine. I guess they did it with cash. They just bought it. They're gonna, and which is another really important uh, shipping route uh, for, uh, for. So they're gonna have a lot of uh, oil and uh, petroleum products stored there. It's all gonna be stored, and then we're gonna see all of these things. These, you know, oh, we have to turn off wells. We can't drill uh, off uh, off the Gulf off the Gulf Coast. Maybe we'll do a rolling blackout or two in uh, in maybe California. That would be fun, or maybe we'll. Uh, Strand a couple of people. You watch how, how quick people want their oil again. And then the price within six months will go up again because there's no inventory. We've got no oil. We have nothing. Well, you turned it all off. We had all, we have another crisis. Somewhere we'll have another thing. We have to shut down some wells. And then these guys who have this 45 to $50 barrel oil, they're going to pop it open and say, oh, here it is. And they're going to sell it for a hundred bucks. And then they'll start all over again. This is what's been happening for decades. Well, this happened during that run-up where Goldman Sachs told everyone the price of oil was going to go to 200 and then it collapsed and went down to 40 Sure. Well, everyone makes money on the way in, in their own way. And Goldman Sachs is a huge uh, trader in, uh, in oil commodities. But the, 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 I think what's, what's interesting when I, I step back and I watch all this, John, and I see you know, everyone you know, talking about, oh, you know, now we've got the, the new climate change bill. It's all a part of helping the oil the, I think the oil people really run the earth now that I, you know, it's not just I'm bankers. totally convinced of it. And you know that I have another kind of, I only have one crackpot theory, but I think it should be considered. Go for it. I don't think, yeah. I have always felt that the peak oil thing was all part of some giant scam because there was about four or five years ago, somebody dis- discovered that, uh, that there are bacteria that, that are around that can actually produce pools of oil in a very short period of time. Yeah, that the Earth is it had the you know, the the idea that the dinosaurs died and that's our oil and that's it. Uh, I think you're right. I mean, the, the Earth it, probably it produces oil all the time. Continuous process. Yeah, yeah. And the whole system, our whole global economic system, is really so oil based that if we don't 
realize that that's what it, that's what everything's about, including the global warming crap and everything in between. And it's all about oil. And the people that we know that are in the oil business and, and the, the, in fact, the entire economic hitman book is nothing but, but oil. It's all but about oil. oil and minerals. The bushes are in the oil. It's, everybody's in the oil. But, but us, between the two <laughs> of us, we have to beg these oil people to get send us some cash once in a while. But the fact of the matter is, I think that the oil uh, industry uh, is just runs everything. Yeah, and and this is what people have been kind of tricked and mind controlled into thinking that you know we actually can do something with solar and wind. Yeah, but it'll take you know seventy five years to get the infrastructure in place to get everything running efficiently enough. I mean, we are an oil based world. That's it's just that's just it. You can't like decide that all of a sudden we're all going to run on batteries or you know or or well of course my anti gravitational gravitation machine will help, but it's it's just the way it is. Plastic, everything is is petroleum based. Paint, everything. The whole world is based on oil, and the only thing that it's contributing to, with all of these quasi initiatives, is to prop up the, just create these bubbles of oil and 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 make these people richer. Look look, the Russians. You actually sent me a Wikipedia link to one of these one of these dudes. What's his name? Uh, yeah, the guy. This guy, I, I, you know the reason I came up with his name and I sent you a Wikipedia, I can't remember his name, but he's the guy who owns the New Jersey Nets. He's a big Russian character who, they had a big special on him on 60 Minutes. Why would they have a special? Because you know, the guy th- owns 60 Minutes. The, these people own everything. And so I, the reason I got the guy's name, and you know, he was on 60 Minutes and they praised him and, he's, and now he's going to try to get LeBron James to play for the New Jersey team and he's going to all these different, and he's, he's lavishing money. He's known for being a partier and he's like, he's like worth $14 billion within just a couple of years. I mean, when he, I mean, he's been around for a while, but he all of a sudden becomes a super rich Russian and it's always suspect. And, but a ding, he is personally handled by Hillen Knowlton. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I know. Mikhail Prokhorov is his name. And if Hillen you- Knowlton handles, here's my favorite, here's the things I always consider. Hillen Knowlton handled the tobacco industry and kept them above, you know, until they dropped them, until Hillen Knowlton left, Tobacco was doing just fine. I mean, killing people. But, you know, I guess they couldn't pay the bills uh, to Hill and Knowlton, so they bailed out. And then the next thing you know, they're in trouble and you have to pay a dollar for a cigarette. Hill and Knowlton's also behind the global warming scam. Yeah. So, um, so if you've ever been to, um, if you've ever been anywhere where there, where there are yachts, and, um, and, and I've been on a yacht or two in my life. And you know, these yachts, um, I think it's like a hundred. And by the way, I didn't pay for it myself. But, you know, you can have sleep 20 people on it. And it's like $100,000 a week to rent. And you're like, wow, I'm living the life here. And this thing poops jet skis out of its butt. I mean, it's an amazing yacht, right? And then all of a sudden, the real yacht pulls up from one of these Russians with two helicopter landing decks. It's a $300 million boat. The other, those big yachts have got uh, yachts. In, in the yachts. In the yachts. They poop out yachts. <laughs> go out. They have another yacht. So, and a submarine usually. So, and, and I think, John, you and I both, you know, we love the earth. We, we love breathing clean air. We like uh, non-genetically uh, modified food. We'd, we'd love for everything to be clean. But all of the, I would have to say almost every single initiative that governments put into place, like the global warming scam, you know, and we. we or the Food Modernization Act, or the or, taking raw milk off the market. 
all of it is to enrich someone and i and i am really feeling like well helpless in a way <laughs> like why don't we just give up we, we, should, we should just not play the game anymore you know we what? could actually do that but unfortunately or fortunately i think uh, we are being, uh, through our donors and our supporters, we are uh, having to carry the flag uh, forward, which we do do gladly. So anyway. So, so, but it is depressing. Yeah, it is. But it, it, when you really step back and understand the game, and you're so right when you say they're reading from a script, because this whole thing, you know, we, this, this whole gulf disaster, it is part of a script. And yes, it's bad. And yes, it sucks. And 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 yeah, no one wants uh, their their water polluted. But it, but the way it's being played is only to shut down drilling, shut down smaller players, let the foreign guys, the Chinese and the Russians, expand. They are expanding. You know, I have documented proof of that. Links in the show notes at noagendashow.com. And it's just to make them richer. And it's. It is not a market with the free flow of these commodities. They shut it off. We know. I always laugh when uh, OPEC is so small at this point compared to what Russia and China is doing. Uh, but I always have to laugh when you're like, "Well, uh, yeah, uh, we've allowed OPEC to uh, limit their supply to raise uh, the price." Remember, they used to read that all the time because they yeah. need a little bit more money. That's what they do. Yeah, I know. It's, it's all corrupt. It's 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 a total game, and okay, and, and it's not. It's not like uh, your your representative in Congress will say for short term gain for a quick profit. No, this is long game. These people play on years yeah. and years and years. And politics, they laugh at politics. That guy Pincus Green, who I was telling you about, who's in Zouk, they've been they're doing business with Iran right now. In Iran, the largest oil refinery in the world is being built in Iran. They already have a big one. It's being expanded. It's going to be huge. And the reason why you hear this this saber rattling is shut up, slave, Iran. You'll do what we tell you. And either you play ball with us and you let us trade with trade through your refinery and run everything through you, or we'll just nuke the the part where the where there's no refinery and we'll take care of you that way. It's all about oil. Afghanistan. Yeah, the poppies are important for the CIA, etc. But it's still about the huge amounts of natural gas they have. It's about the pipeline that's running through Afghanistan. Okay, play the jingle. <sighs> Which one? Adam Curry's pet peeve of the day. Adam C. Curry's pet peeve of the day. I think you've made your point. <sighs> yeah, I have. Let, let's go off to a little... Uh... <laughs> So let's. Under- it's not like the topic won't be revisited. So yeah, I, don't wanna, I know. So I know. Cut it off. But I, 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 no, no. I, I just want to make sure everyone knows that this is a game, and all we're going to do is yeah, point yeah, yeah, out you the said actors. That point out the actors. Point out the scripts. Good. Yeah, I'm done. Okay. We'll, we'll be doing that the weeks uh, ahead. Uh, Although it's like, eh, so what? Yeah. So I got a couple of clips to lighten things up before we finish. Kind of lighten things up. But I think it's interesting. That the Law and Order, by the way, has been taken off the air. I know. Oh, what are we going to do for clips? And I think it's all because of the uh, fact that they, they turned on the global warming thing a few shows ago. Yeah, you know, that is interesting because we, we played the clip. Coincidence? I think not. You want? Uh, I, can't, mm-hmm. I, I can't get to it. I'm, I'm blind. You got to quicker I'm, on the draw than that. I'm blind. Yeah, but, you know, when you. Yes, I do. So let's well, play a couple things from the recent Law and Order that had <laughs> Sharon Stone. Uh, first, I'm going to play bad acting, uh, just plain bad acting. Don't play the other one. It just says bad acting, 677. 
677. That's the size of the clip. <laughs> 42 seconds. Would that be right? I don't know. It, bad acting. Okay. I hope this is the Frank one. Frank Sullivan killed his kids. I want to know why. What do you got? Well, for starters, Frank has been lying to you. Said he's a sand hog, hasn't worked since last summer. And take a look at his financials. They're a complete mess. He cashed out his 401k to live on. He's underwater on the house. And looky here, it was insured for the full value. $1.1 million. Frank have any record of fraud? Criminal record is clear. Never filed an insurance claim in his life. But Emily Sullivan has. As soon as she turned 18, she took out a car loan. Six months later, the car was reported stolen and torched under the BQE. Total loss. And the insurance company paid off just in time. Is this trying to tell me that Sharon, Ac- Sharon Stone is not a good actress? Is- yeah. <laughs> is that what Are you're you getting to- that? <laughs> just a little bit. Total loss. Looky here. Total payout. I mean, it's completely incomplete. I guess if you got Martin Scorsese telling you what to do, you're probably going to be look pretty good on the screen. Yeah, hey, but, hey, hey, Sharon, uncross your legs again. Oh yeah, that's great acting, baby. Yeah. So let me see okay, that so but, but here's what here's what got me: the bad acting, which is the second clip, and I'm not going to say what it is, but you're going to hear it. Because uh, we talked about this last week, and we talked about this attack. You know that it's not about reading people the Miranda rights; it's about getting rid of them. And this little ditty in here was just put in by the government. Where's Shankman? I wanted to talk to you alone. Well, a guy named Miranda ruined that for both of us. Your lawyer needs to be present. I fired him. <laughs> a guy named Miranda. <laughs> ruined it. He ruined it. We got to get rid of that guy named Miranda. He really sucks. Oh, man. Is that a piece of propagandistic crap or what? Yeah, it is. And now, back to real news. I would just like to mention a a brand new television program, John, which is uh, coming June 20th to Showtime uh, called Darker Me. And this is a show you and I will watch. Uh, In fact, I shall send you this link through the Skype back channel. You need to have this because you need to see the poster for it. A new Showtime reality series, Hotter Than Housewives, Cool as L, the real L word. Oh, my God. They are now bringing us a reality-based series of six, count them six, hot-looking lesbians. You know, Showtime is, you know, somebody said they were going to start a gay network, you know, and they were going to do this on cable. I've said Showtime has been a gay network for for decades. But the crazy thing about, because I immediately go to Mickey, I said, uh, okay, any one of these is good. Bring her on in. And she's like, honey, this is fake. This is not what lesbians look like. It's not real lesbians. No, you got to go look at Napolitano. <laughs> Like what? What? So, what is this all about? This besides great entertainment. This is this produced by Howard Stern. Does it say that? No. No, I'm just no. saying. Oh, we, we can watch a preview. Oh, I didn't know there was a preview available. Oh, let's listen to the. Is there an actual preview, or is that they just faking me? No, there's no. No, I'm playing. It says watch preview. I click on it and does nothing. Mm. It's like it's meant for me to just sit there and click and go. Ah, 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 ah. that's unfair there's no preview watch preview i'm click on you see if you click on it if it does anything so i saw was watching the soup i love that show and and they ran a uh a a, a teaser from uh, the tara bank show 
And, you know, they produce these things themselves often. Mm -hmm. But this, watching this one, I'm watching this going, this was this had to have been produced by the Tara Bank show as a, as a uh, teaser because it's just w it's way too good. But play the... Tomorrow on an all-new Tyra. Feeds his child. <laughs> a pump on your man breast. A breast pump on my nipples. The husband with a vagina. He's all man. I like my vagina. How do you stand up and pee? I taught myself how to do it. You can do it too. And the first cousins who got married. To call him something interesting. I call him my husband. <laughs> yeah, it's funny uh, you have husband. This, yeah, I like that. I sorry, I said Tara's Tyra. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned that because I heard this playing in the background uh, as I was walking around the house, and I heard this. Teen, I heard the man. This is the guy. It's actually it was a woman. It just got a sex change. It's, 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 it's crazy. It's dumb. It's <laughs> it was ridiculous. Completely stupid. Although she I, won an Emmy. Yeah, yeah. Although I wouldn't mind having a uh, a promo like that. It, no, we, that's why one of the promo styles. Although I still like the, the honey bunches of oats a little more. It's more lively. Here, I got one for you. This is the kind of story we've been waiting for and waiting for. And finally and it arrives. And finally it arrives. Plays Chef Murder. We do have new information tonight in the case of a celebrity chef arrested in a murder-for-hire plot in Southern California. Police arrested the Food Network's Juan Carlos Cruz on Thursday, accused of trying to hire homeless people to kill someone. Well, tonight we've learned that someone was actually his wife. <laughs> Cruz is a 1993 graduate of San Francisco's California Culinary Academy. He worked as a pastry chef at the Stanford Park Hotel in Palo Alto for a time before rising to Food Network fame. He's being held on $5 million bail and is due to be arraigned on Monday. All right. This is what we've been Please seeing. And fair <laughs> we've been seeing drama after drama showing a chef murder situation. We finally, we finally got... Finally have one, a real one. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. I love it. Now, the one last clip I have that has to be played. Well, what, hold the last clip for the last thing. I just want to run through three items so we can get out of here and make sure we've covered all of the important stuff. Because there, there are some things going on that need mention. Uh, Gitmo Nation Down Under report that you may have seen as well, John. Parents are being paid cash um, to subject their kids to drug trials. Uh, mainly vaccines. This, oh yeah, this started with the, this is bad. Yeah, this started with H one N one. So, so they're actually giving GlaxoSmithKline, I guess, is the lead company doing this, giving parents money. And let's face it, who couldn't use nine hundred dollars in cash if you got a couple kids? What else are they good for? You know, just hand them over to GlaxoSmithKline, let them shoot them up. So that's uh, that's a very bad thing happening uh, down under. At the same time. There's a, a new vaccine for a, a horrible <laughs> pregnant woman ear disease amongst aboriginals that uh, they've, for some reason now, they've, they've, they needed a vaccine for that. I think they just want to finish them off. You know, haven't they been trying to get rid of the aboriginals forever down there? Oh, yeah. Says, oh, hey, we got this vaccine for that ear disease you have. Well, we'll just shoot you up with this. So say goodbye to the indigenous people. The uh, <laughs> they won't take this shot. I don't know. The um, hair had, uh, a lot of people emailed this story about uh, all of a sudden a mysterious fungus hitting the Afghan opium harvest. 
Uh, oh. Yeah, reducing the uh, the harvest by up to 33%. Love that number. Uh, 33.3% to be exact. One third. Uh, yeah, which, totally. of course, uh, will uh, raise the price of heroin, which is good because, let's face it, the CIA needs more money. Uh, so there's a couple of links about that in uh, in the show notes. And, uh, and of course, uh, everyone in Afghanistan is saying, well, shoot, you know, this, of course, it's the NATO guys. This is, they've, they've even threatened this going back to uh, the 90s. They even said, oh, well, we got this stuff. We can just wipe out uh, all of your opium. So everyone knows. And by the way, what is going on with this telegraphing again of um, Kandahar? I don't know. Because we already did the Helmand. It was Helmand province, right? Or did we do Kandahar? Which one did we do? I don't remember. It's, well, I think we did both. No, no, because now even the government is saying, well, we have this big, uh, we got this big push coming up for, I think it's, uh, I think it's Kandahar. And, well, and, and we, and we I just, think it is Kandahar because I just, I, in fact, I do have a clip about this, um, kind of, that uh, I, I think they were talking about Kandahar. Yeah, and they're just saying it. Oh, in like two or three months, we're going to go to go into Kandahar. It's like, why? I don't understand. What kind of war is this where we, we send a memo? Hey, we're on our way. We're on our way to Kandahar. Just so you know, get ready. Get all your IED set up. We're coming to come into it's Kandahar. It's like Ted Koppel. I'd like to warn the affiliates that we may be going overtime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like that's it's very weird. Well, here I got a I got a clip here. You got to play that as it relates to this. It's the McChrystal Petraeus anecdote. This was uh, McChrystal wearing. By the way, by we haven't heard back from our. our, our man in uniform about the uh, general's uniform but mccrystal by the way has the exact same uniform as petraeus it's the same cut it's obviously he's obviously a kiss ass and he's got the same medals you know he's got his load up with medals he's got the same exact thing and then he tells this bogus story which is actually one of the most insulting things i've ever heard anybody do if you think about the nature of this story about the uh, let them eat cake kind of an attitude towards things play this mccrystal petraeus this was at a press conference that mccrystal gave uh, this last week i'm absolutely confident that that we are moving forward i already see progress in it because uh, i've been up and spent the night in oregon about a week ago um so i i see and feel that but it's a process that will that will take time. Could you walk down the street in Kandahar? I, I just walked down the street about a week ago. Dave Petraeus and I next to each other, and he bought bread and distributed it to all the people in the uh, <laughs> the neighborhood. So he's more popular than I am right now in Kandahar. But oh! we did. Please, I autographed some pictures, and uh, yeah, got me some groupies there in Kandahar. Yeah, but Petraeus is more popular because he's handing out bread. He did, yeah, that's right. Like, here, slave. they went, they stopped, they the two of them walking down the road, some bread. by themselves, went into a bakery, bought some bread for the peasants, <laughs> and was tossing out baguettes <laughs> as they were walking down the street. Baguettes. Street <laughs> I got you know just on on top of that there's this new medal you know we've we've talked a lot about uh, all the you know these guys actually they deserve a medal right now there is a new one uh reading from the Navy Times US troops in Afghanistan could soon be awarded a medal for not doing something <laughs> oh I heard about this a precedent setting yeah. award that would be given for courageous restraint for holding fire <laughs> to save civilian lives so you now get a medal for for not shooting for <laughs> handing out bread you know this is what went on they're like hey man let's get that new medal yeah I need that medal for my, uh, my uniform let's go hand out bread here 
peasant. Have some have a, have a baguette. <laughs> baguette. <laughs> so and, and even even the troops like what? What do I do now? You know, am, am I supposed to fire? Yeah, not fire? Do I want the medal or not? <laughs> do I go for the medal? It's the do nothing medal. This is crazy. I tell you, I crazy. This is just totally nuts. All right, and and then finally, I do not want to overlook the United States of Europe, um, as the everything is heating up now. And I, John, I think that if we look at what's happening in Europe, and by the way, I think it's actually the um, let me see, I think it was the uh, Bloomberg who had the best report on it. I have a whole bunch of notes and uh, links in the show notes. Noagendashow dot com. Um, but now everyone is basically saying, and wow, it's not like we weren't talking about this when the Lisbon Treaty was rammed through without referendum in in 99% of all the countries that were jammed into this, saying, well, you know, since we have this huge financial problem, I think we really need to uh, work it out so that, well, you know, it has to kind of be like a centralized taxing system. Because you yeah. can't, you, <laughs> it's like we have to have some kind of, mm, what do you call it, like a central, real central government kind of, because we don't have control over all these debts, you know, so, you know, hey, this euro thing, well, yeah, yeah, it was it was to make e- changing money easy, but really we need to have uh, like a real government now and a real, a real policy of a tax and spend and a real budget and not just this, you know, one or two percent that the uh, European Parliament resides over. So now, so they're moving it in. It's either A, the the whole th- this is this is what your choices will be prediction get ready to play the jingle in a year from now either you you face armageddon financial armageddon whatever that means i, I guess it means we all die or you let the elite of the world create a real government in Europe, which really runs the whole show, because they're saying it right now blatantly. And if not, well, well France is like Sarkozy saying, oh, we're going to pull out of the euro. We don't want any part of that. France, France and Germany, John, you are so right on about those two. They are pissed off at each other right now. They are very angry. Yeah, this is going to, you know, I'd let, normally would like to say, well, this is going to be fun to watch. This is not, not gonna, going to be no. fun to watch. And uh, I think it can, it, 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 in three years, your 2013 prediction, uh, I think you're right. It's either war, real war, and it could easily be the French and the Germans, or it's going to be uh, total financial Armageddon, hyperinflation, everyone's effed. Yeah, the war cycle actually should happen in 2020. There'll just be a buildup. So, um, yeah. Okay, well, more good news. I do have a funny one, but it's, even the, my last clip is not really funny. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, This uh, don't play it yet. This, I'm going to set it up. This is the deer clip. This is what goes on. And I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were... Uh, they were talking about how people have been so dissociated from, you know, even though they talk a big game about nature, that they were on some camping trip and they, and they, there was with parents and kids. And the, one of the 40 year old men was saying, Well, where's, where can I go to the bathroom? And the guy says, Let's Go to a tree. He says, You don't expect me to just pee on a tree, do you? And he says, You do that? And this kind of naivete. So we have a lot of deer around the house in Washington. And every once in a while, the things are pests, by the way. And so you shoo them away or you just get, but you know, they're, they're pretty. Well, anyway, so I guess there was a fawn or some little dinky deer uh, showed up uh, locally here in the uh, metropolitan uh, area of uh, San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, this is what the result was. 
Next at 11, shoot to kill. Local police corner a lost deer, then open fire in the name of public safety. (laughs) 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 Right, bastard. You're Al-Qaeda. You're Al-Qaeda deer. We're going to shoot you because that deer could hurt you. They open fire oh, for public, public safety. safety. It's a friggin' deer. <laughs> Let's do it again. <laughs> Next at 11, shoot to kill. Local police corner a lost deer, then open fire in the name of public safety. <laughs> deer are, you know, it's hard to find them. They're like afraid of people. They run away when you show up with or without a gun. For good reason, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> shoot to kill. Kill all the deer. It's all over. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right. It's a crazy world we live in. It never ends. Yeah, which is good because uh, that gives us the hope that one day we'll be able to produce a third show. In fact, we do have kind of a third show coming up. Donors of this program in the email by tomorrow sometime will receive uh, a special link. How long do you think it'll last, John, before this link is everywhere? Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't, you know, it'll go probably a little beyond, but I don't think it's going to go everywhere. But, you know, people have till midnight tonight to get uh, the finally uh, the, the deuce no, clubs here, over. Yeah, but here's the prediction. Some jerk-off on no agenda forums is going to go, Oh, you was like, only for donors and just paste this link here. It should be free for everyone. Well, that's, you know, if they do that, they do that. But the fact of the matter is that the no agenda forums is still only a few thousand people that probably passed through it. So it's not like it's going to uh, everyone. I'm just so that's saying. okay. The people who get it first will be the ones who enjoy it the most. Yeah. And, uh, all right. And, of course, uh, we'll be back on uh, on Thursday with our regular scheduled programming. So coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West, Southern California, IA, owned by the people. It's a republic. I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where the weather is kind of, eh, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Thursday right here on No Agenda.